0: Hello and welcome to the also Over Everything Podcast. This is the podcast where we receive stories, tips, and text from who have done it. Today, we have David King, the...
1: Plant poppy, as I like to
0: call him, you know what I'm saying, in the <laughs> building. So, I'm really excited to have him on. It's gonna be a dope podcast. But, yo, oh, scoochie, bro, how you doing? Man, Alex, Twitter, to bring What's that in, bro.
1: bring that in. Good to see you, man. Good to see you, too. Uh, everything is going great, bro. Like, you know, during this time off period, I've had a lot of time to reflect and really think about things going on, checking out a couple of docs online. One thing that's been, what you, s- watching? you know what I'm watching? The And One Doc. Oh, yo, I saw that. Bruh. Yo, man, I used to school guys in And One shoes back in, like, primary school. Fine. <laughs> A hot sauce move <laughs> where you went across and uh, through the legs? It just, like, it's kinda, like boom, thing. boom, man. Bro, like, it was it was eye-opening, bro. I didn't know, like, this brand was, like, started like that. And, like, what really stuck out with me is just the founders of the brand. Like, You think the way Andron was built, it was built by like maybe like a guy who grew up playing street ball and everything, but it was guys who went to Wharton Business School Mm. and they just like capitalize on the culture. So like one thing I want to ask you, Mm -hmm. do you consider that culture uh, being a culture vulture?
0: No, they said that they did play. They did what? But they said they did play. They didn't hoop-hoop. They didn't hoop-hoop. They didn't hoop-hoop. That's a fact. I definitely see us as being a culture vulture. Mm -hmm. I think... What's the difference between them and Nike?
1: I think what Nike does, it's like they cover every sport.
0: They cover Uh, golf. They cover tennis.
1: They cover everything. But raw basketball coming from the inner cities of like maybe kids can't afford to play travel basketball. Facts. So you have to go play streetball. So that community is so underserved. And they definitely did provide them with a platform. But I just didn't like how they treated them when they were selling the company. When like they saw everything going up in flames. They're like, all right, guys, like you are the talent. You guys, you guys made us rich. You were the product on the floor and goodbye. <laughs> exactly. And goodbye, like yeah, in, cash out. Yeah. Mans goodbye. are getting like paid like 80, 90 grand for their contract and they're getting millions. Yeah. You know, they're doing over hundreds of millions of dollars in revenues based on the shoes that they're wearing. And they're using their face for marketing. That. Their likeness their likeness and they didn't get, um, they didn't get anything from it, man. Mm -hmm. So it's just like, it goes into like this whole concept of really giving back to the people who are making you rich. And like, how do you fairly compensate them? Like, for example, like Stephen Curry, he got equity stake in Under Armour, Mm. right? When he became an Under Armour athlete. Mm -hmm. And you're noticing this with even guys like Michael Jordan, Tiger Woods, Serena Williams, LeBron James, like LeBron James, like he has like a billion dollar contract with Nike, right? Lifetime contract, bro. Yeah, for life. Disgusting, bro. So, yeah, that's what you know. It was really informative, and it really got me just to understand, like, you know, what's behind the brand, mm. the brands that you grew up loving. Yeah, are they crooks behind castles? Mm. You feel me? Yeah. So that's what I was like uh, checking out, man.
0: It was crazy to see how important hot sauce really was Mm. like i felt like hot sauce was the catalyst and then professor was like the mainstream push yeah you know it was incredible to see that you know so that i think that was huge this does see the background but then seeing the the plays behind the scenes Mm -hmm. and of how they were um they already went into my into sneakers with stefan marbury and how that completely went to garbage yeah you
1: know but mm-hmm.
0: they, and then they went back into t-shirts it
1: feels like they fell on they fell on gold with the street ball yeah
0: you know that that did.
1: Stephen marbury injury was like a blessing in disguise hmm. you feel me because they would have got swallowed by they, nike so they're swallowed way. by nike yeah. imagine they went down that path like you only have marbury like how else are you gonna build a brand based on marbury who was yeah. like maybe injury prone mm-hmm. maybe it wasn't a, a bad injury like that but imagine if he still played He's like, damn, like I don't I'll rock and ones like that, but you know, that's like a blip in the water in sports. Yeah, someone can like mess up and shoes, but people are still gonna buy it. Yeah, you know, definitely. so yeah, that's what I've been. Uh, what about you, bro? Like, what's going on with you? What's going on with me? Um, I, I'm creating content for WIT media. You're creating uh, content.
0: Yeah, I started creating content for WIT media. Say word.
1: Like, what do you mean by creating content? I
0: started like creating like like TikToks as well.
1: Like you know for yourself, like like promoting the business. Promoting the business. you know, and I'm proud of you, value,
0: You know, I haven't been doing that, so I'm like, all right, I need to be doing more more of those. You know, I'm, I'm getting ready to start, like, do my own lead gen, you know, mm. for the media. So mm-hmm. I'm like, getting excited to, like, hit the ground running with that. You know, so that, that's been big. Um, working on multiple different projects, you know, trying to figure out what makes the most sense right now. Yeah. Yeah, man, that's kind of what's on, on my plate. And then this, of course... Uplift Media, you know, trying to,
1: like, figure out where we're going to get the next deal from, you know what I'm saying, on the hunt. That's one of the things I'm super excited about. Like, I think this period of this past month, man, has just been transformative. You know, one of the things that I've been going through is just debunking some of my old thoughts. Mm. And you know how badly, like, I want to be rich. Mm -hmm. And that's, like, one thing. But I think one thing that we've always had a difference on is more about the fame and everything and the things that come with it. Mm-hmm. So bro, I really had like a moment where I was sitting in my, in, in my, in my house by myself in silence, bro. And I asked him, I was like, "Yo, I went through a list of things and I was like, why do I want this? Why? Owen? Oh, why do you want this? Who told you to want this? What matters to you? And at the core of it, I came out of this period understanding I'm a very simple guy. And sometimes I feel like I don't honor that enough. It's a feel as if like I have to add a lot of things and fluff that I have to be pursuing that when it doesn't really matter. It's not a good fit for me. So I broke down the things that matter to me, man. It's just like, what would make me happy, dude? It's like. If I had complete autonomy, this is going to sound crazy. If I could just make money and golf and eat good food and just chill with my friends, it it sounds basic, right? But I realized like, yo, ultimately, bro, what would make you happy? And it just came down to that. It's like being in nature, which is, you know, playing outside, uh, building something I care about. And that's one that's just like making me money and it's towards something greater that's not going to feel as if I'm doing it by force, Mm. you know? So I feel like sometimes I try to force things and sometimes I ignore the signs that make me feel I'm forcing things. It's like, man, this ain't for you, but you're trying to make it happen, you know? And sometimes my body's stopping me from doing it, but I still do it. And I I, I'm, I'm brave about it. And I'm like, damn, like something just ain't hitting here. Something's just not connecting, bro. So you know, after our new discoveries yesterday and discussing and things like that, I just opened my eyes. I le- legit, like figuratively speaking, I opened my eyes and I'm like, I, I took like a cloth and I wiped shit out. No and I'm like, cross out your eye. I, 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 I rubbed out the crust. You know, the biggest crust in your eyes you can have, man, is the ones from eye contacts. Mm. Like, if you sleep with your eye contacts in the morning, you wake up with the biggest chunky dirt. Like, because when you're in REM, rapid eye movement at night, That's how your dirt gets in the eyes because your eyes are moving so fast, but there's no space for them to, like, the dust to come out. Oh, really? Yeah. So when you're sleeping, your eye is constantly moving. And that way, like, and there's there's dust coming in the room. So it gets stuck up over here. And in the crevices of your eyes, your eyes are just slowly letting in dirt coming in, coming in, coming in, coming in. Because the wetness comes out slowly because your eyes need to to remove liquid a gotcha. little bit yeah, yeah so yeah man and it just like part and it just builds up right it just there. builds up right I got there you. yeah yeah so yeah man i mean i don't know how he got into this conversation but but, but, <clears throat> but
0: you're saying that you fame started to dissipate from your goals but why why'd that happen for you man
1: i just realized that i really just want respect for what i do mm-hmm. and you've been saying this for such a long time and i'm just like man alex is full of crap like no disrespect to that, no, but know you know saying. what I'm saying, right? I'm just saying. like, how do you not want that? How do you not want... I'm like, man, I just want to be in business, make money, be respected by my contemporaries in the space mm-hmm. and in the business world, and that's it. You feel me? Mm-hmm. And just live good, bro, and um, work towards like a beautiful future with where I'll be married one day, have children, and and just be with them, man. You know what I'm saying? Like, just a simple, simple way of doing things. It's funny what time can do to you. Like, when you're not in a routine every day. And that's what, like, not being at work has done. It's just, like, it gives you time to really reflect.
0: On what matters. what matters. You get me, bro? 100%. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I've definitely had those moments where I've realized what matters and what I'm naturally gravitated to. Mm. And that's kind of brought me back to to interviewing because I realized when I was like when you're seventeen, 17, eighteen, you just graduate high school. It's one of your most freeing times. Mm. So you're not in college, you're not in high school. You know, you might have a little high, a side job or a little, you know, nine yeah, to five. But yeah. that's kind of it if you don't have a kid. Yeah. You know, so yeah. you're kind of free to do whatever you're interested in. Mm-hmm. And at that moment, I was starting a blog and I was interviewing people just naturally. You're, you're chasing your curiosities. I was chasing my curiosities. Yeah. You know what I'm saying. So that now I'm like, all oh, right, this is something that I naturally have been wanting to do for years,
1: Yeah, you know? Let me ask you this. Do you still feel as if you're still curious? For sure. You're still curious. 1,000%. Or...
0: I want to know what's the best business in Nova Scotia. Uh huh. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I want to know what's the best business in Phuket, in mm-hmm. Thailand, mm-hmm. you know? Like, like, not just in terms of business, but what the people are like and yeah. what their life experience is like, you know? And just 100%. learning about people. Because yeah. growing up an only child, I always wanted to learn about people, mm-hmm. you know, because I was always by myself. Yeah. So I kind of, now I'm kind of just interested in learning what everyone's experiences to take bits and pieces of their life experience and apply it to myself. Yeah, you know what I'm saying.
1: And man, people live differently from you. Most and people, you know, when you're pressed against the wall and you have to do something, you see people in their environments they make innovation happen. That's why even like in Kenya, man. We have something called M Pesa, and it's like one of the most innovative lending platforms ever. Even a lot of tech giants, man, like Facebook, Google, they go there just to like study how they're creating this technology. Like, now we like because when we had it, we had M Pesa even before there was like a Venmo, there was a Cash App, there was like whatever. Interact. Interact. Like, I can send you 50 bucks just through text, and you can get that money. So it shows you like how when smaller communities like that they have to be innovative when they don't have really they don't have the technology overload that we have like where we can just get that analysis paralysis okay how do we attack this so when you're talking about that curiosity I think about things like that back home where people have been creating things that are so simple but yet groundbreaking and they create like a future for different for different fields that lead into other things so um yeah, man. I, but I, I like that, man. I was I always like that about you, man. You're very curious. You're always like still tuning tuning your game and everything like that. For sure. And, it's, you know, it, the art of it. I admire that, bro. I appreciate that. Respect, man. Respect. With that
0: being said, let's get into some like artful things that you can use to increase your business. Let's get into the business tip of the week, mm-hmm. you know. So, you know with the business tip of the week, what I aim to do this week is just to give you some apps um, and some helpful tools to help you sharpen your game up. So one of them is I think I don't know if I mentioned it before, but Libby is always one that I've, Libby. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sounds so, like a cartoon character. Oh uh, yeah. A
1: little bit.
0: Hey, hey, hey Libby. <laughs> a little bit, a little bit. I see what you do, I see what you're doing. Yeah. So a lot of us have Amazon, uh what's it called? Prime. Amazon. Not Amazon Prime. What's Amazon Book? Amazon Audio Audible, pardon me. There we Audible go. Audible or Kindle? Audible, Kindle, Kindle. Things the, of the, that whole nature, family, yeah. the whole family. And I was just like, I just don't want to subscribe to another Amazon product, mm-hmm. personally. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not getting the the speaker. I'm not getting.
1: I'm not getting none of that. You're not getting the Echo Dot. I'm not getting the Echo Dot. Man, that thing, I think, spies on you, bro. Oh, for sure. 100 percent. It I mean? It's like listening to my conversations with my parents, what I ate for dinner. It knows everything about me, bro. Everything. Everything and sending it back to Amazon. Someone's listening to you, like,
0: oh yeah, your parents like this, eh? <laughs> okay, okay.
1: I was that like, what number was that you called? Because I can see like on your Amazon, whatever, like, because you know what my mom's address is my secondary home address. Got you, you know, so yeah. I don't know, they probably see her name. They're like, okay, this is who, whatever.
0: Yo, so when people are Netflix and chilling, they listen to that too
1: they listening to that? There's
0: Netflix and chilling, you know? You don't have to know who turns off the Amazon Echo Dot when they're about to Netflix and chill.
1: But Ben, you can't turn off an Amazon Echo Dot because it's plugged. It's not like a portable thing. It stays oh, plugged in. it stays in. plugged. And that's, and that's why I hate it because when I have people over, I can't even take the Amazon Echo Dot as a Bluetooth speaker because it has to stay plugged in. Wow. Yeah, it's that's so whack. whack. It's so whack. whack, yeah.
0: So so if you don't want to do that um, and you still want to enjoy books without paying you know, any monthly fees, you can use Libby. So Libby is a public, you know, library of audiobooks and books. I've been using that and I've been going crazy. I've, I've, I've been getting uh, *Charlemagne the God's Black Privilege, uh, Profit First, mm-hmm. uh, 50 Cent's the 50th Law. I've been like diving into new books through Libby and that's been a big help. And it's like sharpening my game up. Mm-hmm. Um, How to Win Friends and Influence People um but you're you're consuming, a lot, I'm consuming, of, I'm you're consuming, consuming a lot of knowledge yeah 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 we word. <laughs> word. um so so i but the thing is though that sucks about it though is that they're they're basically buying digital copies mm-hmm. so you have to loan it so, mm. so you're, it's basically a loan so the thing that sucks so much is that if it's a popular book you're gonna be on, on wait for like weeks. Mm. So like, I haven't gotten um the how to win friends influence people yet. I'm on it's on my loan shelf because mm. I have to wait 13 weeks to get the book. And that sucks, you know? But other than that, it's a free app that gets you access to any type of audiobook. If you're a podcast person, of course you are because you listen to this, then it's an easy win for you to add to your arsenal. All you have to have is a library card. And if you don't have it, you can make one trip to the library and get that one time and, and go apply it to yourself. So that's yeah. one. Um, the next is Flourish. And I'll link it below. Basically, it's a, a website that allows you to have animations to go um, with, your, um, with your data. So, which is really cool. So, if you're ever presenting and want to make something look cool, oh, you know, yeah, yeah, you can yeah. use Flourish to do that. So, okay. yeah, Flourish is another one that's like a big, little, little gem to mm-hmm. add to your, to your arsenal. Add a little pizzazz into your presentation. Exactly. Because Canva doesn't have that yet. A lot of people it. are creating Canvas yeah. for their presentations now. Yeah. Canva's taking over. Canva has been, like, slowly just, like, eating up competition, bro. Yeah. It is insane. Like, I said they have a whiteboard now. They have a little, like, they're getting...
1: They're, they're, remember, like, when um, Canva came out, I thought I was the only person who knew about it. I was like, yeah. bro, like, I, I do things and then people like, oh, man, I didn't know you can be this good of a graphic designer because mm-hmm. they were not aware of such a thing that yeah. existed. Yeah. So, yeah.
0: Man. You know what I hate, too? I hate people that think because you're using Canva, you're not designing. That... That logic makes no sense to me. But by by that logic, Adobe should never upgrade. Mm -hmm. Because if they're making it easier for you to to design, then it's not design. That makes no sense. Mm -hmm. And even if there's templates, Adobe has templates. Almost every tech company that gives you design software has templates. Canva has templates, too, that you can edit to get to where you need to be. Mm -hmm. So it doesn't make sense why people think that Canva is not Mm designed. You know, if it makes it easier for you, yes, because they have a great UI, but that's basically it, you know. So moving forward, like I said, uh, flourish, Flourish, Libby, are two great apps that you can add to your arsenal to conquer and just grow as a business owner. Lastly is Card.co. It's mm-hmm. a free website builder, a competitor to Linktree
1: um, that gives you a one-page website, easy peasy, Card minutes. is Card is like such a game changer, man. You can create like a simple portfolio website just drag and drop things and you're done. Done. In one minute. And you only pay once, too. Exactly. Like, is it 20 bucks for the entire something year? Something like that. Yeah, yeah 20 bucks like... for a year. Yeah. Which is dead cheap.
0: Yeah. So if you just want to create a quick website, get up and running, you got to go to a business conference, you got to go somewhere you need a quick website, car.co is one of those websites where you can quickly make it. Canva isn't there yet with mm-hmm. websites. Yeah. A lot of people are making websites on Canva and they're not looking good. I just want to say that. But, a, lot of, a lot of UGC girls are creating websites on Canva and it's not looking good.
1: Damn, I didn't know Canva is getting into websites. Oh yeah, for sure. Really? Eh? Yeah, you can make oh, websites shit. on Canva.
0: Um, the thing is, though, is that the branding on Canva is still very present. The domain, mm-hmm. people aren't switching the domains out. Mm-hmm. So if you're making a website on Canva, here's what I suggest: change the domain and see if you can get it under, like, move it from Canva to another platform the provider. Because yeah. the designs of it is amazing, but the actual aspect of it, it looks it gives, it gives Gmail. That's what it gives. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Yes, It's yeah. supposed so to give you a professional thing, and it's like, why why are you giving me a Gmail account? Like I yeah. want to see like, your professional, you're a professional. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So that's it just difference. screams
1: amateur hour. It doesn't give you a know bit what I'm of saying? amateur. Yeah, it's you know? amateur still in that place over there. Yeah, man. Yeah.
0: So those are some tips for the business tip of the week. Oh, and tell me about the Hustle Nation this week, bro.
1: Of course, man. What's up, what's up, everybody? It's Mr. Hustle Muscle here on the mic, ready to give you that Hustle Nation tip of the week. And the tip of the week this week, and not to say week t- uh, twice, but is the treasures that you seek hide behind the doors that you're afraid to enter. Powerful line. And we got to like dissect that. The treasures that you seek. What are those treasures that you're seeking each and every day? Is it a better career? Is it a better relationship? It goes on to every desire that you have. And some of the things that we always want, there's always a fear of, towards taking that leap. I personally, I've been afraid to take that leap for many different things, and I've realized like when I take that leap, a lot of things open the doors for me. For example, when I was still in university, I decided to take that leap of, you know what, I'm not going to go through with my second year of university, I'm going to take a break towards pursuing a personal project. And when I did that, I met so many people throughout that journey that really Uh, were transformative in my years. I I met a lot of mentors. I met co-founders. I discovered new ideas that were transformative towards my entrepreneurial progress. And as I mature and get to the next stages of my life, I really had to continue living with that philosophy in everything that I do. So whatever thing that you do want, you always got to just be able to put yourself through uncomfortable periods towards entering those doors that you're afraid to enter. And these doors can be many different things. They could be states of minds. They could be action that you're supposed to be taking. It could be skills that you have to learn. It could be things that you have to go through so you can be able to really realize your true potential. So those treasures um, are personal to you. I don't know what they are, but you know what the jewels that lay behind you. These are the things that you consistently talk about and desire, but you're slowing yourself down by not really taking that leap of faith and putting yourself in that uncomfortable position to really see where it could be. And this is why I respect a lot of people who decide to make moves into different places in the world, places that you not have thought that they went there. And you ask them, like, why are you going over there? It's like, well, I don't know, man. I just had a desire to do it, and I decided just to drop everything and go. And these things end up changing their lives for the better. So the things that you do want when you open these doors – If what you desire is true, and if you were to make that leap, how could you not be satisfied with the decision you made if you're really truly living honest with yourself? Mm -hmm. So always remember that, um, start living with that mindset. It's not something that can happen overnight, but it's something that you can consistently work on. And even if it's like approaching a hot girl in the supermarket, that could be your wife. Even if if you see that cute guy, that could be your husband. Right. If you're in a networking event and you, you want to go say hi to that person, those are like the doors that you're afraid to enter. But you have to push through to really just say, hey, what's up? Because you never know. It could be someone saying, hey, you want to go to this event? You're like, ah, nah. but you know what? If you go and you're like thinking it's not going to be worth it, it's not going to be worth your time. But, you know, it still resonates with you. Still make it happen. You know, um, so that is my hustle nation tip of the week. I wish each and every one of you a very successful week ahead. And uh, I can't wait to see all all of us prosper in the things that we decide to do. Mr. Hustle Muscle checking out.
0: Wow. With well, that being said, yo, let's hop into the podcast with David. Let us know what you think of the episode. Make sure you DM us on Instagram at 247Hustler. On TikTok, we're at 27Hustler. On Twitter, we're at 247Hustlers. So you know what to do. Everything's linked down below. Tap in with us, y'all. See you over there. Peace. Out. Hello and welcome to Lots Over Everything podcast. This is the podcast where we receive stories, tips, and tactics from entrepreneurs who have done it. Today, we have a great guest in the building. Would you mind giving the people a one-minute summation and tell us who you are?
2: Hey, what's up? I'm David. I have spent the better part of the last 15 years working on different things in Toronto, and I currently run an e-commerce and retail business called Promise Supply that sells tropical plants, partially because they remind me of my aunt's yard in Barbados.
0: You're from Barbados.
2: I'm not, but my aunt lived in Barbados. She lived in Barbados. I'm and Jamaican, which if yes. you know anything about West Indian people means I got like a bit of a split personality and I'm always defending one to the other. Mm-hmm. But um, no, I just like, I remember growing up having plants around the house. I never really thought of it. And then I started buying plants and then yeah, through COVID um, I'd started a business. We weren't selling plants. And that business evolved and yeah, now we're we've built out a pretty good business. We have employees, we have a team, mm-hmm. And we're selling tropical plants. David right. King, man.
0: Most definitely.
1: Plant poppy. That's what I'm gonna start calling
0: you. I was thinking about same thing. <laughs> <laughs> Word, plant dude. poppy king. Bro. It's idea. taken
1: though, it's taken though on IG. Oh, you try you try changing your username to
2: Plant yeah, Poppy? Yeah, well we're well, so what we're what we call ourselves is Toronto's Toronto's plant dealers. Because mm. sounds pretty textbook. I feel though. like I feel like, like, I don't know, we, we, you know, if you look at my, my Instagram, it says plant plug at promise supply because
0: mm.
2: people don't know where to find stuff. Sometimes mm. there's like, obviously the things that you can find, but I think our team really enjoys, our team enjoys finding stuff for people that they can't find elsewhere. Mm-hmm. It's like almost on like, it's hard to describe, but I think it, it fits into streetwear culture. Plants. In the sense that you know how there's a sneaker that everybody wants and nobody can find but everybody mm-hmm. wants it at the same time
0: mm-hmm. that's not streetwear culture that's more or less like a collect- culture. collector culture. Culture, yeah. culture So there's, culture, there's, yeah, there's yeah. like an
2: interesting collector culture around it there's like the small plant collectors but then there's like the interior design mm-hmm. sort of world and like that language and i think the most satisfying thing we did this summer was we got one of our suppliers to finally import a tree because we guaranteed a certain amount of demand uh, for this plant that you've seen all over Pinterest and IG and people have been asking us for it, but we couldn't get for six to 12 months.
1: So Yeah, it's fun. You know what man like I Never saw you as a plant guy like just I didn't see myself as a, I didn't know up, I didn't know I'd be doing this growing up with the past like 10 years as, as much as long as I've known you Yeah uh, Meeting at Ryerson and the DMZ and everything yeah. you've always been like engulfed in tech uh, startup world real estate, real estate consulting yeah. and everything now you're, like, shifting more into, like, it looks like, correct me if I'm wrong, it's, like, a lifestyle business. It no. doesn't seem as if, like, it's, uh, you know, before, it's, like, you're always intense. And you're still intense, but I feel like you're hmm. more in a different place right now. Like, because you've done volume, which we've got to talk about. Then we are got to talk about, like, your previous I think, startups. I
2: think there's uh, there's what we're doing. Yeah. And what it looks like we're doing, and those two things don't always look the same at
1: different times. Okay, so you're still like the same guy, like you're still into tech and everything like that, like building tech startups. So, the one thing I'll say mm-hmm. is, if you're starting a company right now mm-hmm.
2: and you don't think you need to be a technology company, you're probably wrong.
1: Elaborate on that, bro. Because like, if you I if can start a dog walking if, business, and like, I don't. Okay, man, I can just like make money walking these dogs. Why do I need to be a tech company? Perks. That's how I'm just. Well, okay, so, so so there, so there's,
2: so so look, like, the, what you're talking about is, so there's two, there's different types of entrepreneurship. There's what I call sort of like solopreneurship, mm-hmm. there's small business entrepreneurship, and then there's trying to build for scale. I'm still working on that latter category. Build to scale? Yeah. The objective is not a plant shop, it's stacked in e-commerce. Okay. That's current state.
1: So what is the vision?
2: The vision is to build. The, the vision is that we're, we're operating in an industry that is very interesting, mm-hmm. where technology isn't being used um, by a lot of the largest businesses in this industry. And so far, we haven't seen really good products or services for this industry that make building a business in this industry um, as streamlined as building a t-shirt company or, um, you know, if you want to sell, you know, you want to make stuff and sell on Etsy. I think that there's, like, there are almost too many opportunities. And I think when you look at, what you look for is you look for big markets. Mm-hmm. And my opinion is you're you're always looking for things that technology hasn't had a huge impact on. So whether I shoot for the moon and land among the stars, whether my, whether we get to sort of, like, big North Star kind of ideas or not, whether this becomes a massive business or a big business or just a good business, I'm happy. That's actually probably the biggest change that I'm happy running a business that right now is very much a good small business. Mm-hmm. Um, but I still think the the ambition is, you know, not to quote Goran Dragic, but I got higher yeah, ambitions got higher than ambitions. that <laughs> um, yeah. asshole.
1: So, so yo yo, yo, yo Goran, can, you didn't go to can, the. Can, can, can chat, I can I can 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 shout out can, Goran Dragic? We can chat. We can for, chat we can um, for That is. The guy
2: on the Brooklyn Nets who who, uh, thought, the Slovenian guy who got traded here and said he had higher ambitions than coming to the Raptors and then ended up, you know, weaseling his way out to Brooklyn who didn't win a single uh, game in the first round of the playoffs, Mm. whereas the Raptors put together a squad of people who believed. So, I don't know. I think that there's like, I think you, you take from a lot of different places. But at the end of the day, I think what I've learned is that You've got to be willing to set small milestones and know that it's a marathon, not a sprint mm-hmm. and know that, you know, what things look like today are, what they're going to look like tomorrow.
1: So historically, your businesses, they were not making you happy. Is that what you're saying?
2: No, I think that historically, my objective wasn't to be happy. Therapy. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. what was the, the, objective? the objective was to get rich and figure it out later. Mm. Did, did In my twenties.
1: Did you feel like the pressure of like getting rich under thirty? Because I'm looking at your peers, right? <laughs> Hashtag paid. I got a great peer group, eh? Right? They yeah. they just touched thirty under thirty. Used to work for these guys. How's that yeah. make you feel?
2: Great, you know.
1: But you know uh, the reason. Go I ask, th- go
2: go go through rip through my network and go ask my friends on that on that Forbes list about me. But like no, but I'm just saying like for real though. Like I think that. Um, I didn't know about the Forbes list when I was 25.
1: So you're 25 nine years ago?
2: I wasn't I mean, thinking about the Forbes list when I was 25. I wasn't thinking about building a big business. Mm-hmm. Let me put it this way. 10 years. Now, I don't know if this is something that I stole or something that I invented mm-hmm. or something that I just believe from research. Mm-hmm. 10 years. It's what going to take. So, I also don't think that my perspective shifted until I was about 27 or 28. I think if you ask me three or four years from now, you know, have I accomplished what I set out to accomplish, I'll probably be very close Mm -hmm. to where I thought I was going when I was 27, 28, and I set out to get to a certain place. So, yeah, I mean, like, Riv being 30 under 30 is great. I mean, you know, shout out to Riv. Shout out to Michael Murchison, shout out to Rami from Cotton, shout out to all my homies on Forbes 30 Under 30 list. I am appreciative that you all will still pick up my calls and you haven't gotten too cool for me. But those are a lot of my close friends. So, I don't know. I can't think about it in a way that is like, I wish I was on that list because I don't. Yeah. Because yeah. I wouldn't be sitting here.
1: Of course, man. And I think we got to chat more. And I might be
2: miserable. This is the thing. Look. This is the thing. What's up? Rich people are miserable sometimes.
1: That's true.
2: Forbes 30 under 30 people might be anxious basket cases who haven't really sorted themselves out. Mm -hmm. Everything I've done, whether it felt good at the time, hurt, went forward, went backwards, felt good, felt bad. It worked me out to a place where I am genuinely excited about what I'm working on. What I'm working on could change. And I would still be gen it would be something that I would genuinely be excited about contributing to. I'm confident in my abilities because of experiences that I've had where I worked for hashtag paid. You know, I worked for them for six months. Um, in that time, they were trying to go in one direction, I was suggesting another. Um, you know, I look at where they got to and, and the impact that I had on that business and I'm super proud. I look at the same thing with this open space. Like, I came in, grew the business. You know, that's a bit of a different story in some cases. But, you know, you look at what I built there, that built the foundation for a lot of what I'm doing now. And I think that, like, you're just constantly building and I think holding that idea of where you want to be in your head, I think you're like this, like, you know where you want to be. Mm-hmm. You both know you want to build this media company. You're building it. You know, every day is not a home run. Sometimes you strike out, but you keep getting back, up to back to bat. So like I don't know, I, I, yeah, that's a bit of a rambling answer, but you shook me on that one. I wasn't expecting that. So that's what Owen's coming with the curveballs. <laughs> <That's
1: like laughs>
2: no, but the the real the real answer is like all of those lists are great to be on. Yeah. Um, it's like you know, a rubber stamp. It probably makes fundraising way easier. It probably provides a lot of credibility. Uh-huh. I think if I was optimizing for that list at twenty, you probably get on it. When did you start thinking about Forbes 30 Under 30? Honestly. As a thing.
0: What I, what I did, as I went on that list and I looked at people from like two years past. Yeah. And I started like going through each one of their things. And a lot of them, their website didn't have their domain set up. Yeah. Because by the time I had gone and checked from them two years after. There you go. They're out of business. Yep, You know what I'm saying? But uh, I recognize what that does. You know, so I think that's important but at the same time I look at it with a grain of salt because I recognize that people can pay to get on it a lot of Kinda PR yeah. companies can pitch them yeah. so there's a lot of ways to, to actually you know, finesse that yeah. it's not as, as cut and dry as I have a big business
2: alright look, anybody who's young enough you want to get a, on Forbes 30 Under 30 basically make sure that you specifically target meeting people who are currently on Forbes 30 Under 30 list mm-hmm. um, become close with them Build a business that sounds really good, pro-social, ideally. Um, Raise enough money at a decent enough valuation that you have a story and that you can stay in business for the 18 to 24 months that you really want to get on Forbes 30 Under 30 because this is your only goal. Um, Get referred in from as many people as possible in the Forbes 30 Under 30 network. It's easier to get into Forbes 30 Under 30 than it is to get into YC. You know what I'm saying? Like, Mm. um, Also, didn't get into YC... You know, right. Owen's, pro- I've applied, I, I applied a long time ago for something. Yeah. Um, I applied twice. Uh, you can probably still see the bad YC video that I made that looking back that on still it, on
1: YouTube?
2: still on YouTube, is bad.
1: Yeah, we'll, clip, we'll clip that in right now.
2: Hi, I'm David, one of the founders of Receiver. I'm gonna take you on a walkthrough of our functional prototype, which was myjam.fm. So this is the login page. You can see me type in my username and password here. That'll get me access to my library. Once I'm logged into my library, I'm able to see you know a lot of the, the content that I've saved, which includes YouTube videos and SoundCloud. We plan on integrating with other services over time. This was just our original functional prototype. So you can see here that I can play SoundCloud into YouTube, um, primarily focused on music at the moment. You're able to search SoundCloud as well as YouTube. And then if you want, you can add content by going to YouTube and selecting Add to My Jam and obviously adding one of your favorite songs to the platform. I hope you enjoy that and I look forward to being a part of the Tech Stars family. Literally, you know, um, you wanna do Forbes 30 on 30? It's not hard. It's not as hard as building a business that's gonna be around 10 years later. And, and to, your, to your point that a lot of people don't do that. Um, but if you are smart enough to work towards it early enough, it will put you in a position to have a lot of opportunities provided to you that you would otherwise not have provided to you. Mm-hmm. Um, speaking of YC, this is where it comes from, like, you know, unlearning things. When I, was, when I was in my early 20s working on my first startup, somebody was like, yeah, if you can get into YC, you take the check. And I'm like, but they take such a big percentage. Why would you give up such a big percentage of your company? I'm just going to do it myself. Like, Great that was kind of my mentality. Right, I think at the time, they gave you, like, 100K for 10%. Not even, they gave you like... Anyway, It was, it was this was this they they, their deal terms now make more sense because of today's environment. But I wasn't thinking of it in terms of if I get into YC with all these great companies, all these great leaders, who am I going to learn from? Who am I going to gain perspective from? How are they going to shape my perspective? How am I going to become better at what I want to get done? How, if my thing goes sideways, am I going to be able to get aqua hired by another company that was in my same batch? Because that happens a lot. How is YC going to be able to, Like the partners and the people there who now have a vested interest in what I'm working on How are they going to be able to go out and actually sell my company into an acquisition for another company that's pre-IPO? Like, I didn't know anything about that. Like, that's all learning, right? Like, Mm -hmm. now I know that with YC, you're giving up a bit more. But I think that, you know, all of these things, Forbes 30 and 30, they come with network effects, and that's the benefit. Mm -hmm. You know, Rami from Cotton. Mm
0: -hmm. Which Cotton?
2: uh, K-O-T-N. Okay. So uh, Cotton... Shout out to Cotton. I'll give all the shout outs. Mm-hmm. You can cut them if you want. But yeah, shout out to Cotton. Uh, yeah, Rami and Ben and Mackenzie were featured on the list. Well deserved. They're building schools in Egypt by selling cotton t-shirts from Egypt, building back a community that he comes from. Super proud of the man. Mm-hmm. Um, he's Egyptian and on the Forbes 230 list. And I think it's like the biggest soccer, I don't know, actually watch soccer, but the, one of the biggest soccer players in the world is an Egyptian guy, right? Mosala. Mosala. So Yeah, Mo and Rami, like. <laughs> yeah. oh but like i think they're they've the met ones. i'm pretty sure they met because yeah. they're you know it's like mo and rami so it's great you know yeah, like yeah, yeah. so i think that there is this sort of idea of you know a lot of these things you can do the one piece which is looking at it with a grain of salt and look at the benefits but the truth is i wasn't looking at it until i was 29 mm-hmm. mm.
1: Do do you feel like entrepreneurship is like so glamorized where people are starting businesses they're more skewing themselves towards like being sensationalized by like TechCrunch or Entrepreneur. TechCrunch is Wired. All these different media platforms like where you actually can walk in the room and say, yeah, you know, we just raised a Series A. You know, we're doing this, we're working with like, I'm just like, Andreessen Horowitz. You know, mm-hmm. it's like posturing. It's more about posturing than building a business. Like, mm, what I, are your takes on that? Even you, I like to get your your insight on that too. For sure.
2: So, one of the things I very strongly believe is make friends with people that want to get to where you're going to. Because that that will give you an education that you will never be able to get anywhere else. Let's break that question apart. Um, Do I think that people should try to get into TechCrunch and Wired and try to get press? Absolutely. Do I think that it's really important? Absolutely. Do I think that you are going to succeed because you did it? No, I've had a like one of my approaches to entrepreneurship still is my approach to entrepreneurship is what I called projectpreneurship. So I think a lot of people, when you're working on building businesses, you think of it as, you know, I'm going to build one thing. Right. Like I'm going to build a platform for hustle for you guys have the ability to spread out a bit more, but I mean, like, I'm gonna build a, pr- I'm gonna, I'm gonna build a t-shirt company that sells t-shirts. It's a t-shirt company. I'm gonna build a software company that does chat. I'm gonna build a software company that delivers food. Right? Like, it's very uniform. Um, so I kind of took this approach of like, I'm gonna work on projects on th- things that I think are cool that'll make money, and I just need to basically be able to make sure that I have enough income coming in. Um. To the company to pay myself and to live um i'm going to bang on projects until i get something to work so that's how i got to the plant shop Mm -hmm. uh you mentioned volume right so volume group Mm -hmm. was when i left the last company that i was at which is where we met this open space i I looked at what happened with this open space So, so before this open space um after i left left hashtag paid i was working on a few different projects and doing some consulting. You'll notice that's a trend. I kind of like mm-hmm. oscillate between working on things that I think are really interesting and uh, consulting, doing things that you know my skill set of you know growth marketing, business development, you know e-commerce. Now uh, I kind of oscillate between those two things. So where was I? Man? Oh yeah. So in terms of like this idea that you need to raise money mm-hmm. is flawed. The idea that you need to be in TechCrunch is flawed. But all of those things are important. But, like, I have a thing in TechCrunch because I was turning bars and restaurants into workspaces, got into TechCrunch. That was before I was working at this open space. Um, and I ended up realizing it just wasn't going to work because it was a project. And I treated it like a project. So I think the other, thing you do, the other thing that people do is they don't treat things like you can walk away from them.
1: So you feel like we, we walk in and we feel like we're married for life on this?
2: Well, a lot of the dominant conversation around how to build a company, a lot of it comes from accelerators and venture capitalists who benefit from singular focus. But if you look at you know what, somebody else actually kind of like regurgitated what I'm saying back to me and back back to me in a different way. They said, like, you're looking at platform entrepreneurship. Like, if you think about Richard Branson, Virgin, you slap Virgin across a million different business lines over time, Mm -hmm. um, and you find really good people to work on them, and you find really good people to scale them. Like, that's not a model for entrepreneurship that you're going to see sort of uh, pushed by, like, VC Twitter or TechCrunch or Y Combinator. Mm -hmm. You know, this idea that you should be... Building a foundation and a platform that's able to launch projects, products, have them win, have them lose, but most mm-hmm. importantly, stay alive. So, I mean, random work was fe- featured in TechCrunch. I got screenshots in TechCrunch of an app that never really existed. They look great. Mm-hmm. I used the Envision. Envision has like mock templates t- for apps. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I the Envision mock template, adjusted it for an app that looks like your... Able to go to different restaurants to work during the day and was in TechCrunch.
1: See, and, and I hate What that. has that done for me? Bro, but that's the thing, man. I, I Why feel do you like hate that? No, because you're faking the funk, bro. No, you're like, not. Yes, you are. You're, no, you're not. Bro, you are because you haven't even launched the thing. No, but... I have launched
2: the thing. I have people working in restaurants. Okay. I have people paying me. Okay. I have customers.
1: I have recurring revenue. But what I'm saying is, like, even like when you got on TechCrunch, was that thing even on TechCrunch? Like, was the platform even live?
2: So the question is, was the software live or was the platform live? Because those the are two different live. things.
1: Because when you go and The meet... platform
2: was live. When I was on TechCrunch, okay. it linked back to a site okay. where you could go and sign up to get a membership to go work at a bar. So why did
1: you have to use screenshots from Envision? Because I created the screenshots. Because I had the
2: screenshots because the process of figuring out building that project was what would this look like as software. Mm-hmm. And if I have what this would look like as software, and I can get it in front of people and see if they get excited about it, mm-hmm. then that's going to give me confidence to invest the cash into building the prototype. Mm-hmm. Because the MVP is not just like the software product. The MVP, that, the MVP for that was, will people pay to walk into a bar and restaurant and work there during the day, and will it be a good enough experience that they'll come back and tell their friends? And on that, we were pretty good. So then how would you eventually scale this? Why didn't it work? Because it doesn't actually work in Toronto. Um, There's a company in New York doing it it around the same time called Spacious, and I actually went to meet with them. And when I saw it operating in New York and came back to Toronto, I basically realized that I could create a really good Google map and kill my business. If I just gave everybody uh, a map of the city and the places that I knew you could go and get work done, uh, where you could go sit there for a long time with your laptop and not pay anything to be there, um, I was done. So I, I didn't see how I was going to be able to scale this thing. I didn't see where it was going to go. And at the time, while working on it, what ended up happening that was super interesting, so like, let's say we were like trying to get you to give us 100 bucks a month for your subscription, right? 150 I think it was. Um, we would end up getting into a spot where... Bigger companies would come to us and ask if they could book the space for an offsite for their business during the day. And those transactions started to look like, here's 500 bucks for the day, here's 1,000 bucks for the day, here's 1,500 bucks for the night. Mm -hmm. Now, one of the people who worked out of my space was this guy, Adam Bent, who was starting another company at the time called This Open Space, which was Airbnb for commercial spaces. Mm -hmm. And they were looking for somebody to help build the business here in Toronto. And I looked at what they were doing. Now they had raised not a huge round; they raised about seven hundred and fifty thousand dollars, I think, at the time. Uh, one of the investors was one of the co-founders of of Shopify. It wasn't uh, Toby. It wasn't like the main CEO guy. It was the guy who's no longer there, named Scott. Um, I looked at the fact that they had a team, that they had some stuff working, and then I looked at what they were building, and I thought about, you know, my existing relationships in Toronto. Um, my ability to add value to it and its likelihood of success was higher than my likelihood of success so a smaller piece of that bigger pie would have been great and it would have and you know came with offsetting some of my downside through you know a salary offsets your downside when you're working on a, on a start when you think about working on startups right mm-hmm. so I joined this open space and put the and
0: put you more, just, just yeah,
2: dead it. it but it was going to get dead it was going it was going to be deaded regardless like it was going to get put out to pastor regardless. Like I knew basically by December of that year that I needed to clean this thing up and move on from it, that it wasn't going to scale, that it wasn't the right opportunity. And at the time, because of that, not just because of that, but because of that and because of other relationships, I had I, I started building up some consulting revenues again. Um, I was doing some work for like, somebody that I used to work for, I was doing some work for a company that my friend had just got seed funding for. Um, And I had this sort of like older real estate investor guy that saw what I did with random work that was, you know, potentially interested in setting up a co-working company with me. Mm -hmm. And that was because I did the project. Right. So I think that like, what I'm trying to get at is like, not everything is going to work. Um, but eventually you need to pick a path, and I think like that's where I'm at now.
1: Didn't you do something where you can have like dinner with random people?
2: Yeah, that was fun, bring that back. That was called Random Dinner. So Random Dinner turned into Random Work. Mm-hmm. Um, the original idea with Random Dinner, the business model didn't work. The social experiment was cool. People were really into it. Uh, the idea was that restaurants would be really, really into this idea on... Nights that were otherwise slow. Mm-hmm. The idea was to reduce socialization, uh, social isolation, and bring people together, um, which happened. Um, but I think that the, I think it's really hard to do something like that without building a closed network. And I had kind of set it up to be an open network. Mm-hmm. Um, so random dinner turned into random work because I worked with a lot of the restaurants that I built up relationships with through random dinner because I realized that they were actually closed half of the time. Mm-hmm. So half the time they're closed, they could be generating revenue that would offset their expenses and that was actually more valuable to them than offsetting their off nights. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I think like, you know, you got to keep working on your ideas because you build confidence that way. Mm-hmm.
1: What's like your your biggest fear as an entrepreneur?
2: Fear? Mm-hmm.
1: As an entrepreneur? hmm I don't know. In terms of like a businessman, as you look at your f- your future, what are some things that I'm like, man? Like if I don't, if I do not achieve this, if I never, f- if I don't ever feel like this, by the time, nothing, I call it a wrap. Nothing. Nothing. Nothing scares you.
2: From like a, if I don't get X, am I going to be upset about it? No.
1: Mm. Is it more external or internal? What do you mean? Like internal, because like you, we we talk about happiness and uh, feeling yeah. as if like you're in a good place would you feel as if like if i don't ever feel like this ever again if nothing ever makes me feel like that you you essentially it's like i failed as an entrepreneur or business person
2: uh so i think the way that the way that i think about it is right now Mm -hmm. if i have choice right now and i wouldn't choose to do anything else Mm -hmm. if at any point in my life I spend a lot of time doing something and I wish I was doing something else. Like seriously wish I was doing something else. I think that would be the the area where I would end up being upset. Like in the future my biggest fear is doing things that I don't want it to do I don't mean like little things that I don't want to do like I don't want to do my my accounting stuff or I don't want to input my bookkeeping stuff or I don't want to sweep the floor or I don't want to wake up this morning because I got to go move these plants around because that's some of the stuff that we got to do right now I mean like you know spending a year doing something that you you aren't enthusiastic about at all like that's terrifying Mm -hmm. you know being being sort of like trapped is the fear um
0: that's real.
2: And I think that as long as I'm, as long as I get the choice to work, I'll probably be pretty good. And, you know, like, what if I don't have you know ten million bucks or a hundred million bucks? Like, mm-hmm. it's not gonna matter. My biggest fear is death, because mm-hmm. like that can happen tomorrow. You no, know, it's not knock on wood, but there's nothing to fear. Because it's not the best motivator. It burns dirty. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah.
1: You know. What does it that burns dirty mean? It well, yeah, burns dirty, like that's. So a, like, think kind
2: of, of like solar power versus like real? coal. You know, <laughs> if you're if you're working because you're scared, it burns dirty. Like it has negative externalities. Mm. Like it's not good for, you, you, let's say you're the planet and we got to pick our fuels. You know, Michael Jordan's interesting. Michael Jordan's fuel was like, you know, petty. I hate it was petty. Yeah. Fine. Perfect. Thank you. I needed the word. You got it. It was petty. Now, creator, the greatest basketball player alive. But I don't know, man, have you listened to his Hall of Fame speech?
0: Uh, yeah, I to a bit of it. it was- you know who
2: schooled me to this? My therapist. Uh-huh. He was like, listen to Michael Jordan's Hall of Fame speech mm-hmm. and you'll see why you don't want to live your life trying to prove everybody wrong. Because at the pinnacle of his highest point in his career, the thing he spoke about the most was all of the people who doubted him. And dude, like, look, would I would I trade dirty fuel to be Michael Jordan? I don't know. And that's what I keep coming back to, which is like, I don't know that there's an alternative and where you're looking for more money and you're burning dirty fuel and you're a negative person and you're angry all the time and 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 I don't know if that's a better reality if you got more on paper.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: You know, everybody has their challenges. So what what's enough to you? Um I'd say right now I'm close to enough but I'm not quite there.
1: Mm. Enough? Like enough is like You can take care of your kids, or if you choose to have, if you choose to have a family. Yeah,
2: like like enough enough is enough is money isn't the thing that you're thinking about in your personal life all of the time. Mm. Um, I can give you like some numbers for enough. So ten million dollars is sort of like enough. And I don't mean that like I have to have ten million dollars to feel like I have enough. But like when you start getting into these conversations around when you
1: touch ten million, what is
2: really enough? Like if you have about ten million bucks, yeah. Um,
1: so do you have ten million? No uh, but if you have about thought ten I should, million thought I should ask yeah, it's fine no, I, don't, I definitely don't. um <laughs> you sound like you're like yeah, I'm close to enough, so
2: no no, no, But I'm, I'm close I'm close to the place where like uh so cash flowing is one thing and then assets are another thing yeah, gotcha. right. and I think business owners need to really learn to think about cash flow mm-hmm. assets because as a business owner, your cash your your personal cash flow is one part of the benefit of your business um, but if you're really building a business the thing that's going to make a difference in your life is the asset that you're building so a lot of what you're you're doing when you're building a business is you you're, you're actually in the asset management game if even if you don't necessarily think about it that way so a 10 million dollar asset means you're probably you, you probably don't have to think about money at all. Um, but you can not have to think about money and not have it be the number one thing on your mind if you're making 75 a year, you know, if a household's pulling in a couple hundred K a year, like, you're probably not thinking about money.
0: If it's coming from a- other assets.
2: No, if you're making that off, off like, if, if your salary is, like, if, you know, if you're making enough money, you're probably not thinking about it, you can get there. But, like, the real point at which money isn't necessarily, like, like, let's say you're making $150,000 a year working at a job and you lose your job.
0: You're fucked.
2: Right. So it's, you're, well, you probably go get another job. But all I'm, all I'm kind of getting at is that like you're not in that spot where, where you've reached some type of like freedom where money is not a problem. Mm. So the point where money is not a problem is probably about 10 million bucks mm-hmm. yeah. uh, because at 2% interest, that's $200,000 a year. Mm-hmm. If you have 10 million bucks, you start getting into the game of um, you start you start getting access to investment opportunities that you wouldn't otherwise get access to. Um you start getting the ability you start having the ability like banks will want to lend you money. You start getting leverage. Um also if you just hear me say like if I said yo I got 10 million bucks, forget your 100,000 followers that you were telling me about, but like if somebody that you know says, "Yeah, I got 10 million bucks in the bank." You probably want to like work with them. You're probably willing to work with them for less money than you might charge somebody else because you want to get to where they're at. Maybe people even. don't want
0: to say that though. What people don't want to say that they have 10 mil. They, they like they'd either want to have a status symbol that suggests that they have it, like what NFTs have become. Or depends on who, depends on who you're talking to. Well, for sure. But people are. Do you see people like opening up their phone and be like, "I got 10 mil." No, no but I do
2: know that, like, for example, like. I know friends who don't exist on social media, mm-hmm. who I know have 10,
0: at least. And how do you know that? Because I know. Because we talk about business. Because you talk about business, but they're not telling you that they have 10 mil. They're not. They don't need to.
1: So you're making an assumption they have 10.
0: Mm, it's like... It's pretty I'm obvious. Like certain. You, you, they, they walk you around the corner. Yeah. It's certain they have 10 mil. Yeah,
2: I, have fr- I have friends who sold their businesses and stuff. Like they built a tech business. They sold it like... I know what the purchase price was. It was announced. Mm
1: -hmm.
2: And I'm not saying that to say, like, oh, my friends do this. That's not the point. The point is more like I think when you divorce yourself from money being a status symbol, that's when you really start to enjoy the game.
1: But money is a status symbol, bro. Let's not kid ourselves. It's a
2: bad status symbol, though.
1: How so? Like, man, we we compare everything to money. Like, the reason why uh, people can do things, like, yeah, he's an nba owner cuz he he's a billionaire we glorify these guys this guys this because he has he's dude, this word i mean you say we broadly you do no society, society does society does man and you dave you it's know this it. you no, know something I'm, I'm listening i'm i'm listening cuz yeah. i
2: i hear what you're saying and i don't disagree with you but what i am but i don't think you hear what i'm saying
1: so but you're equating status towards like a moral kind of thing but the tr- no are you not no, what I'm saying so, is that is that money like status symbols aren't a bad thing. That's not what I'm
2: saying. Okay, um, I'm not saying you shouldn't you know want to drive a Benz. Mm-hmm. Um, what I am saying is status symbols in a lot of cases are false positives.
1: Are you sure what a false positive is like? Like
2: the person in the Benz might be underwater. The person driving uh, a older Volvo. Might have a hundred million dollars in the bank.
0: Mm. Yeah, we've seen it. We've seen CFOs, CEO- CEOs show up to podcast interviews and like. I'm talking. A, I'm
2: talking about. <laughs> I'm talking about one of the nicest houses I've been to is from a guy who wakes up early, goes to his warehouse. They import fruit and sell fruit. Drives a normal car to work. Every drives a Sprinter to van to work. It's baller. He is, but it's not. But that's not the focus. And all I'm getting at is, I think that like, when you and and, and look, man. Like, I'm not saying that, that you know, I'm above it. That's not the point. No. My point. I'm, I don't think I am. I think you know, I want nice things. We all nice want nice things. You know, I was joking that I didn't wear a nice enough shirt when I showed up to the podcast. Like, it's on our minds to look good, to feel good, feel good, to smell good. Like, I'm not saying that we don't care about status. I'm just saying that, um, if if you're worried about status status symbols. And that is why you're being and that is why you're in entre- like that 's why you're building a business you probably don't want to build a business mm-hmm. because there will be periods where like all of those signs of success don't matter and you just got to figure out how do I make this thing work how do I keep my employees employed how do I take care of my suppliers how do I take care of my customers mm-hmm. how do I grow this thing ten or twenty percent next year mm-hmm. um, we're having a bad quarter how do I make a sacrifice on my personal end how do I not go on that vacation how do I Buy a, a a lesser car. How do I pay myself less than I know that I would get paid if I went to work for Google? Mm-hmm. Um, but you want to be able to afford status symbols. Go work. At, go work at a company. Go get a good yeah. sales job. Make a quarter million a year. By the time you're in your forties, by the you know buy buy a couple of houses or some good some good stocks.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, man. man know, I, and honestly, bro, I, I you guys to aren't
2: the entrepreneurship only podcast. You're the hustle podcast, and I think that like people conflate hustle with entrepreneurship. Man, one of the one of the guys. That I, you know, he's, he's not a close friend, but he was really close with, with, with an old friend of mine. And I would say that he fits the definition of a hustler better than most. Mm. And I don't think he's ever started his own company. He's a software engineer. And he knows how to play the game to make a lot more money than a lot of entrepreneurs will ever make by changing companies at the right times, getting equity at the right times, getting increases and pay at the right times. So I think hustle, you know, coming back to the name of the podcast. Hustle is not about self-employment or entrepreneurship. It's about like I'm going to pick a game and I'm going to play it really well. And if you pick the entrepreneurship game and you're picking being an entrepreneur because you think it's a, because you think it's going to give you access to status symbols, um a lot of the best entrepreneurs, I know, you wouldn't know it to look at what they're driving or the watch on their wrist. Um, and the reason why I know or I can approximate their net worth is because we talk about their business. We talk about their sales growth. Mm-hmm. We talk about the rounds they're raising. They tell me how they're raising those rounds, who they're raising them from. You know, They teach me things about you know, I think we start. We st- we started off on this tangent because you were talking about venture capital and press. So press is great. Will help you get venture capital. Can help you raise money. Can help you get angels. Press is awesome. It feels great. It you know, but, but the TechCrunch article got me fewer new users than the blog article. Mm-hmm. So like press is a great tool, but it fits into a strategy and it probably gets you somewhere else. Raising money, venture capital is a very specific type of capital, and you know it should come with a warning label. Um, it's somewhere around. Uh, you know, uh, it's like steroids, mm-hmm. and there's lots of negative side effects, but you can become Arnold. So venture capitalists are better at marketing their money than everybody else. That's all. Like venture capitalists are blogging, they're talking, they're, you know,
1: Twitter, they're, VC. They're, they're tw-
2: like VC, Twitter, you know, they're, they're slapping hands, they're at the conferences, that they, they have the sexiest job in capital. Mm-hmm. They manage a very small percentage of the to- total capital out there that's available to companies. Like, venture capital is a small asset class when you put it on, you know, the board. In comparison to who? In comparison to all other private equity.
0: Okay. So, for everyday entrepreneurs, where else can they get their money from? Or that money from?
2: So, who's the everyday entrepreneur? Because I think that, like, that that is sort of the point that I'm making. Venture capital is actually not a really good tool for the average or everyday entrepreneur.
0: Let's say... I'm start. I want to start a hair care company.
2: You should not talk to venture capital.
0: Who should you talk to?
2: You want to start a hair care company? It's tough. So if you want to start, like, so a hair, do you want to start a software company? Like you're trying to, try to start a, like a like an app for barbers.
0: Uh, that's an interesting thing. A hair care company is so vague, right? Right. So this is you what know, I'm getting you at. Could, so, you so, could be so, Squire. You could Squire. be. So so this is know. what I'm
2: getting at is like the accuracy with which you approach the business that you build is extremely important. Mm. Because how you finance your growth as a business owner um, and how you think about where to look for financing is the thing that I've learned the most about because I've had friends who have taken different approaches to financing their businesses as opposed to raising from venture capital. Um but most of those entrepreneurs I would say around the same time we we at at, at the same time, which is years ago, we sort of knew about V C and it was well known that you could get into an accelerator and you could get venture capital and that was like the way that you start building your business was to get you know you go raise money.
0: So where else can people go to get
2: customers.
1: Okay. Customers, like you want you want to raise money, raise money from your customers. Like crowdfunding?
2: No. Have people pay you to do whatever it is that you think you deserve to raise money for. You wanna become a barber? You wanna open a barber shop? Cut people's hair.
1: But bro, you can't open a business if you don't have like the funds to get started.
2: Yeah, but you shouldn't start by trying to open a business that requires funds is what I'm trying to get at.
1: But you need, you need like, let's say, um, I don't know what idea I wanna use an example, but.
2: I can give you a bunch of ideas. Let me just take you through the list. So look, if I wanna go start a business cutting hair, Will people pay me to cut their hair. So I have a friend, Trevor, great guy, owns a house in Toronto, done pretty well. Currently owns his own salon. He didn't go to university. He started cutting hair in, uh, like at the end of high school. He worked at a salon. He built up his book of business. He had enough money to buy uh, a house when Toronto real estate wasn't insane. And you know what he did? He cut people's hair in his backyard. So if you were his friend, you'd go over to his house. He had a barber chair. He cut your hair. And then he opened a salon. So what I'm getting at is that like, yeah, look, do do you need debt, do you need equity, do you need cash? Is it helpful? Absolutely. Um, But you should be able to, you should be able to prove that people can pay me Mm -hmm. for whatever it is that I'm going to sell them before asking anybody else for money. Unless you're building software. Mm -hmm. And then you can start talking about venture capital if you have the right sized opportunity and you are not an engineer, or you need a lot of engineers to build a com- complex product before, before you can take it to market, or you have a product that will get a lot of use, but the unit economics only work at scale. I'll give you a good example, Float. Have You heard of Float?
1: Is it a credit card?
2: Yeah, Float's yeah. a great example of a company that probably needs venture capital, probably working on the right thing, and probably will continue to raise it. So Float makes, might, makes money off very, very small, percentage of, of a total transaction, right? So Float doesn't, you know, probably make 1% of total volume that is spent on Float. Like maybe that's what their net is. I don't actually
1: know. And everyone, Float is a corporate credit card.
2: So float is, a pro, is, float is a productized credit card. So what they've done is they've essentially built a product where you can create credit cards in an app for your staff, track their spending, and then it has other controls around getting um, receipts back. So... Ironically, and this is the thing that I actually love about having a plant shop, the CTO came in one day and he was buying a plant and I ended up talking, I talked to a lot of my customers, who told me a CTO. I was like, cool, how did you figure this out? Well, we built it over a weekend or two for a hackathon and it seemed like a really good idea. We got people to start using it and at the end of the day, they don't make a large amount of money off of a small number of customers but they make an extremely large amount of money if they can solve a very big problem globally in the sort of like, every single company has a hard time tracking expenses and making it easy for their employees to spend money. So whether that's like, I'm a company and I want to give every single one of my employees 500 bucks to spend on furniture for their home, that's very hard, Um, or I'm a company, I'm an agency, and I need to be able to issue cards to different employees, but there's also a lot of turnover and ag- agencies tend to have higher turnovers, so like people are there for a year, they're gone for a year, mm-hmm. and I want controls over their spending, so I want to be able to turn off your card. So that's a big problem. That's going to take a lot of engineering. That's going to take a lot of money. Engineers are expensive. Mm-hmm. If you want to make a lot of money, you want to hustle, you want to hustle that's guaranteed to pay and you're 18 years old, become an engineer. Like mm-hmm. If you don't care about building a business or you, you, and you think you can do that, do that. Like You'll be good. Um, but they need a lot of money. And if they build a really big business, they'll build a really big business. So in order to do that, they need to raise venture capital. And what they need to do is at the end of the day, when you raise venture capital, you're selling a percentage of your business and you're going to keep selling a percentage of your business until you
1: IPO or sell it or go bust. Mm-hmm. What are your thoughts on- um, And there's no other acceptable solutions. Mm-hmm. What are your thoughts on like Adam Newman coming back in the game? Eh, it's, uh, a raising, it's a smart bet for It's a smart bet for Anderson. 350, 350 mil. But I want to talk about the social aspect of it, right? So Adam Newman is the... Founder of WeWork. Founder of WeWork. He got outside of the company. He got a billion-dollar payout. And now he's I, back in the game, and he just raised, like, 350M from, like, Andreessen Horowitz. Yep. So people on LinkedIn are so cheese because they're like, yo, this is, like, white male privilege. Like, he can, yeah, like... Yeah, it's all
2: the above, but whatever. No, no, bro. Let me, it's let the me game.
1: No, yo, David, let me finish my thought yeah. first, right? I'm I am you're Like, um, a lot of women, minority women, yeah. white women... People who are, you know, minority entrepreneurs—they're like so vexed because this guy, he made a company go bust. But yeah, he can still no, he, come he, oh, hang on a second. No, 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 hang not. on. Let's be very clear about what it's happened. It's not. It's not the company did not go bust. But it was let's very. very mis- let's
2: let's be very clear about what happened. Okay. Because because I've seen a lot of false comparisons. Okay. And this is one of the things that I think a lot of people need to work on if they want to be entrepreneurs is accuracy. So the accurate way to look at that is he was capable of raising money from people at valuations that made absolutely no sense. Okay, So he is really good at raising money, and he's really good at raising money at valuations that don't make sense. And the company blew up when they ended up getting trying to get to the public markets for a few reasons. Um, Mostly, and it wasn't actually the, the valuation necessarily, but there were multiple forces acting on that business at the same time. A lot of which people don't really talk about. You know why WeWork was super successful? Because they started in 2008. What happened in 2008? In New York City. Mm-hmm. Everyone went bust. What was really cheap in New York City in 2008? Real estate. What's the average term length of, a, of, a, um, of an office space in terms of years. lease? It's about 10 years. So what happens when in 2008 you you sign 10-year leases? You prove that you can rent it out and have a crazy markup per foot on old real estate deals that all expire. And then you go to expand throughout the globe, throughout one of the largest economic expansions we've seen in history from 2008 to 2018. And then all of a sudden you have these net new leases all around the world that are signed at the new market rates. And you got to be able to get the same markup on that that you got when you bought cheap rent in New York in 2008, the the economics of the business didn't work because people didn't see that there was this thing stuffed deep inside of the company Mm -hmm. that made it look really good on paper. And the unit economics were amazing on paper, but it wasn't sustainable if you knew that it was on a 10-year term. So what I'm getting at is like you got to be very accurate with like dissecting these things if you want to be really good at what you do. So let's dissect that for a second. What can we learn from Adam Newman? Well, a bad periods in bad periods throughout history for specific asset classes are usually good times to get into them. Warren Buffett. That's, that's old. Um, two that a, a charismatic and sort of like zany founder.
0: White mere founder.
2: I give them the white male thing, but like a charismatic. It's and like ki- Israeli. You're yeah, like but there's some, there's a, there's like there's some Asian dudes who can do it. I've seen some East Asian dudes do it. Um, well, can they really do it, bro? Let's no, keep it up.
1: Nah, bro. Like
2: no, look at look at look at Paytm in India. Look at um, there's some really good charismatic people of of, of varying ethnic groups building cool shit. There's a lot of like dope stuff I mean, being built look in at, Africa. Look at,
0: look at, uh, what's his name? Um, Carlos. Carlos who? Um, from what was that Old... Oh. Um, Oswald, Ozzy Oswald, uh, Media, Carlos media. Media. look, 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 <laughs> look, 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 look. Watson. <laughs> look, look. That was a black be, guy who, who was a look, look. Here's, here, here, here's the here's deal, As, Go ahead, bro.
2: I'm not going to look. Forget white male privilege. If you actually if you actually know what Adam Newman comes from, you know the type of money his family had. They own buildings in New York City, so like, forget the white male privilege. He is wealthy. He's a wealthy New York man who went to school and who had an information advantage, probably knowing two things at the same time. He knew that real estate was cheap, and he knew that because a lot of people were getting laid off, a lot of people were starting small companies, there was like smaller co-working spaces, like co-working and WeWork weren't exactly the same thing. Co-working was kind of like this boutiquey thing, like someone would rent a big space, you'd have desks, you'd have a bunch of like yeah. hustlers and grinders. WeWork like basically gentrified co-working. So he took two things, that he knew that he had a unique advantage for, because the other thing, if you have capital or wealth, is you actually have creditworthiness, and we could talk about how that impacts the ability to get started, and where I think that you're absolutely right, that starting, you know, how do you get enough money, or how do you get the ability to sign a lease? Mm-hmm. Right? How do you get the credit to be able to sign a lease to open your that's business? What
0: to say, like, we can, we
2: can, t- we can, we can go that. into like that, yeah. and I do have ideas on that, and it's not just about money. Okay. Um, I don't think it's just about money, that's my personal opinion, and, I have privilege, like we all have privilege, and figuring out what your privileges are is important. Facts. Sometimes being, you know, a black dude provides privilege in certain contexts. Sometimes being, you're African, right? Uh-huh. I don't know why you're here. That's a privilege. If I was African, man, I'd be in
1: Africa. I've been saying this, I've been like, man, I can have a good life back in the
2: Kenya. information, The information advantage that you have and the types of companies you could go back there and build for your own, like Africa's a huge market. Like I was talking to somebody who was talking to me about micropayments in Africa. And like, there's all of these things. We all have advantages and it's knowing what they are. So his advantage was uh, family owned real estate, probably knew that vacancy was high, probably saw an opportunity to lease cheap real estate, saw this co working thing, realized he could make it fancier, make it, you know, more tasteful, make it more expensive. And, you know, had great performance because the gap between what he was paying for real estate and what he could charge for it was great. Now over time that gap diminished, and that's where like over time, like if you just looked at um, Regis, which is like the biggest company in that kind of area, now they have Spaces which is sort of like a WeWork, but they weren't exactly like WeWork, they weren't weren't tasteful, they weren't cool, they weren't a place you like work like, oh I got got a WeWork, right? They were corporate and kind of, they were were, were still in the 90s. You look at their valuation, you look at their valuation multiple, like should WeWork have ever been worth what it was worth, probably not, but it, Probably was worth five or six billion dollars, maybe 10. Mm-hmm. Like, there's probably value in the billions of dollars that he built in that business. Not the 40 billion.
0: Mm, but some billion.
2: Not the 40 billion, but he built a billion dollar plus company. And there aren't many people as a percentage of the population that you can say uh, started and built a billion dollar company. And so, Let's put it that way. Cool. So that's that. So now you brought this up because of VC. I mean, so, let, so let's I, I, let's bring this back to I, VC. I the
1: VC and the social aspect of what it represents. And what like, does it represent? No. What I'm saying, like what I'm trying to get to say, David, is like a lot of people are up in arms about how easy he has. But, like, the thing is, even though as a minority, I'm not even that upset about it because I'm, like, I'm looking at it from, like, a what? point of...
2: Minority status doesn't matter. Like, no,
1: just fam. What?
2: Understand why,
0: why no, it works. No, no, limp, no, limp, no I'm just, limp, just saying, limp.
1: bruv. Like, the reason why a lot of people are mad is because they've been trying to raise money. They've been trying to get through the doors. They've been trying to get access to VCs, but nothing. And here you have Newman, who has, like, this, tra- <clears throat> this track record of, like, this is who he is. You know, like, the whole stigma around his personal brand isn't really like something people like. So the fact that he can raise 350 M's after like the whole WeWork exit, Has a lot of people up in arms. That's what I'm asking. I'm
2: trying to to come up with an analogy here. (laughs) the the social aspect of what he's trying to do? But the social aspect doesn't matter because you're asking me why did Anderson Horowitz give him money?
1: Yeah. Well, like, what's
2: the the question for me? Because sure, everything you're saying is true. Yeah,
1: I'm just saying, like, why do you think? Like, what's what are your thoughts on like people being upset that he's raising that money? Do you think they should be upset?
2: Sure, be upset, but I don't think it matters. Why does it matter? Because like people
1: will be upset, and what does them being upset change? Like, but does that it represents like they're not really I do what you're getting? The, like... the, the, they're not getting like the open doors. Like Adam can easily just come back and raise 250 m's with like what happened but, but, with WeWork, but I,
2: though. Yeah, but but that's what I'm getting at. Though, is, like I think the, I think what people think happened with WeWork, if you're Anderson Horowitz, is not how they see what happened with WeWork. Mm-hmm. So the the best thing that I read about this. Uh, that probably changed my mind a lot, but the best thing that I read about this was as a venture capital company, you're, you're basically looking for home runs. You don't care about base hits. So the reason why a lot of people can't access venture capital, and I think we focus way too much on venture capital when we talk about an- entrepreneurship, so let me just get out of the way. Venture capital is a singular asset class with a very specific return profile and very specific criteria to meet. And if I was a venture capitalist... The only reason I wouldn't invest in Adam Newman, the only reason, it's not because I don't think he's going to return me more money, it's because like I don't like what he did. So I wouldn't give him money because I don't like what he did. Mm-hmm. But you also want to know what I know I'm doing? I'm probably losing out on returns. Because the likely scenario, the odds are that that billion dollar valuation will become five and 380 million or whatever they put in will become a billion. Or was that 1.5? Mm-hmm. The likely scenario is that Anderson Horowitz turns th- turns 380 million dollars into probably 700 dollars or 800 million dollars, even if he screws it up. So, the the challenge for people when it comes to looking at money, and this is why I said like people view money as a status symbol and it isn't. Mm-hmm. Money is a system. It buys status symbols, but in and of itself, money is not a status symbol. Mm-hmm. Sure people will provide you a status because you have it, but money is a system. And money is a system and money is managed by different people. And they manage the money in different ways. Mm. You wanna know my most frustrating thing right now?
0: What's
1: that?
2: Have you seen these black business loan programs coming out from the banks? <laughs>
0: Oh my God, I hate them shits.
2: So I don't hate them because I actually find that I've, I've talked to two of them and what I really actually like about it is I actually feel like I've been able to have conversation with bankers who are able to look at the good and the bad and they're willing to help me and they want to help me because they, they will, they're, they're going to take more time with me mm-hmm. to help me get into a place and they're going to have honest conversations with me and they're going to tell me how I can get to where I want to get to and how they can help and how they can't help. Really? So I've had a good experience with them from the standpoint of the bankers. Okay. The bankers that I've spoken to, um, shout out to RBC and BMO. One of the things I've learned from people who raise money is don't just talk to one bank, talk to every bank. If you haven't had a conversation with every bank about your banking you needs, you probably should. I still need to call TD and like all that stuff, but I've I basically like, I've inquired about the BMO black business program because they've marketed a lot and I currently bank with RBC. The, the interesting thing about those programs Do you think they give you a better interest rate? No. Do they think they look for less collateral?
0: Nope.
2: What is the thing that the Black Business Loan Program is willing to do for entrepreneurs? Let me, let me, do you know what it is? Because I I can tell tell you. They'll give you less money than they normally would. They're willing to write smaller checks for Black (laughs) entrepreneurs for their smaller businesses. Wow. 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 So, look, man, like, we're not going to say that race isn't a problem. We're not going to say privilege doesn't exist because all these things are true. Uh I just don't think that we're spending as much time as people spend on them. I think learn the game, learn the system, and regardless of your skin color, if you know the game, you know the system. Look, sometimes, sometimes somebody's just going to tell me that I'm a well-spoken dude, and sometimes I know that they think I'm well-spoken, and sometimes I know that I think that they expected me not to be.
1: I just saw a tweet about this yesterday. You know Jermaine Jupiter, the... The job father, the black guy who gets everybody jobs, black the guy who gets black people jobs in tech. Yeah, yeah, yeah. he I had a tweet that. the other day. He's just like, the amount of times I get told, like, "Wow, you speak so eloquently." Yeah. <laughs> you know, I've gotten that so many times, right? Like they For expect sure. me like be like speaking, in, I don't know Terrible how to. They... Yeah, yeah. We're, 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 You I know what? It's just, man. it's just, it's just, it's just the the chal- The
2: challenge, I think, and I, the other thing that I'll say too is like the interesting thing about like you know melanin is like, oh, you got a beard. But like, I don't look thirty-four.
1: Yeah, you look no. like you're. I don't look like I've been doing
2: this for ten years, fifteen years.
0: Yeah, you look like you just. But if out.
2: you look at you know, some of my white friends, they look like they're forty-five and might be thirty, yeah. um, and they got they they look like, like I'm not going to sit around and say that they don't look like they to me. Some of them look older and look more experienced. They got gray in their beard, whatever the case may be. I'm trying to grow in these little bit of gray ha- hairs that I'm getting on the side so I can show people some age. Really? Not actually, but it's, I'm joking, but yeah. you know what I'm saying? Like, I think that there's a lot of, like, my sister is, my sister works for the government, um, and now she's in a pretty good position. But, like, my family looks young. Like, my sister got carded, my, sister, my sister's my half-sister, she's like 50-something. My sister got carded in Atlanta, and they wouldn't sell her booze. At 50. In 2020
0: black don't cry Jeez.
2: right so there's there's lots of types of prejudice there's lots of types of stuff i think I think when people talk about privilege, like the main thing you got to talk about when it comes to privilege is inherited wealth mm-hmm. you got to look at like assets you got to look at um, network opportunities biases biases but the biases i think I think there are so many different biases all over the place, whether it's gender race height mm.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
2: Height's heights an interesting one. Height's very interesting. Show me two six foot three white dudes with an idea, and I'll show you something that's going to get funded.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Like blonde hair, blue eyes. No, not necessarily. Not not necessarily. They They may not even be white. Well, you just said white, bro. No,
2: they might be like, you know, they might be, they might be, they might just look white.
0: Even with women, too, though. They might just present white. I noticed that in upper management, a lot of times it's tall women, pretty women. Mm hmm. Pretty not, not so much. So tall, here, though. so so tall though, like they, they kind of have like masculine women.
2: energy. Maybe I wouldn't go that far. I don't
0: go that far, but, really? but yeah. come on, fam. No, I don't. No,
2: what I what I what I would say though is that height is an advantage. There are lots of advantages. There's lots of pattern matching. There's lots of prejudice in the world. There's prejudice in all kinds of communities. Um You
1: know, like lighter skin, light skin privilege. I mean, you're a light skin man, bro. Did you get privilege? Probably in what in what way, based on my skin color mm-hmm.
2: ironically, the only time that I can think of ever feeling special mm-hmm. as like a black person with light skin and like wavy hair was when I was in the Bahamas, and my friend's grandmother was obsessed with me, and it was a black lady mm-hmm. the only time that I can ever i can ever like look i'm i'm I am We we can I we can list my privileges. I've I'm lucky. I you know my dad my dad had a good job. My my mom passed away, but up until then, my mom ran her own business. I grew up in a four bedroom house. I've never had to worry about where my next meal was coming from. I never had to work. Dude,
1: I've never had
2: to work two part time jobs. You know I've never. There's so many things that I haven't had to do. So like yeah, like am I sitting here? I'm not going to sit here and say that I'm not very fortunate. Um, you know very few people. I think aren't fortunate in some way.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: I was reading an I was reading about this guy. I, I'd love to look him up, and you should probably go talk to him because he's actually working at. Um, I don't know if they're private equity or, or something, but he wrote a Medium post about um, about his journey. And his mom, I think, his mom moved here, and I, I don't actually think that she moved here legally. Mm. I think this. I'm pretty sure this is in the article. It's a Medium article. I'll send it to you afterwards um and he was talking about how he grew up with like love mm. and he grew up with support mm. and he grew up with i don't know how to he grew up with, he grew up with the love and the support of his mother he grew up in a spot where there was uh space for him to feel supported and he talks about how that impacted his career now he's probably making bank working at a at a fund um but his mom immigrated from the West Indies. Read this story; loved it. Because I think one of the things that I talked to that, that I talk to people a lot about is like I think, and, and this is not privately, so this is probably the first one I'm saying publicly, but like we put privilege in such a narrow spectrum.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: You know what I mean? Like I mean, we don't talk we don't talk about emotional privilege. We don't talk about emotional safety. We don't talk about you know. There's lots of ways in which. Um, A lack of financial privilege leads to a lack of emotional privilege leads to a lack of emotional stability. Mm -hmm. And it's a compounding issue and it needs to be addressed. And as a society, we need to work on it. And I'm 100 percent there. But we don't talk about like we don't talk about the person who was raised really, really well and is super anxious about never having enough. And that is never happy with what they have.
1: But man, like those like in terms of like a societal this guy's not, mad cuz
2: I'm on a hustle podcast talking about freedom and no, love I'm not and I'm stuff. not mad
1: bro <laughs> I'm just saying like we're not going to focus on those type of things because Why? when you look at man, because when you when you dissect it amongst every racial group like yeah. indian chinese black white there's certain groups that like like bypass everyone and they have like Um, access to everything because of just their background like this is like financial living in the best neighborhoods getting the best jobs things that are more economically driven than more looking like yeah he had like better economic like uh, emotional privilege I'm like yeah okay cool but I'm just trying to get a job to feed my family and the reason you got hired even though I have better qualifications is because you are from this background that is why we talk about that type of privilege And I'm not saying that privilege of what you're talking about doesn't matter. I mean, it does matter in inner workings of friend circles. Like, I can be like, you know what? We live in the same neighborhood, but you had both parents. Your Mm. parents, whatever. I might not have, like, my pops around, but the privilege you had of like having your dad around is like yo he could take you to practice but you're going to practice you became maybe, good maybe, at maybe a maybe hockey. maybe
2: or your dad was was not a nice guy look i think we're off topic let me let me let me pull it back to this new stuff. Well, i'm just stuff. trying to show yeah, you yeah. like
1: what what you're trying to say about like, privilege though
2: no i don't think i th- i think what you, what you're missing is that what i'm trying to say is that economic privilege is very real mm-hmm. and it's generational but mental privilege and the ability to like see yourself a certain way.
0: Self-awareness.
2: No, but seeing yourself a certain way, man. I talk about like, when I talk about like, I don't know if I said this before when we were chatting, but it takes you 10 years to get to where you want to go. And I think a lot of people aren't thinking big enough. Mm
0: -hmm.
2: And I think the biggest privilege is thinking big enough. I look at a lot of, I look at a lot of friends of mine from like, got a friend who's Iraqi from Iraq. Parents moved here. Um didn't come here with much, mm-hmm. but they came from a place where they had a lot, mm-hmm. they, they had stuff. They knew how to build it back, you know what I mean? So I think that like, you know, access to education about how wealth is created is severely underfunded. Mm-hmm. Um, they teach you how to do calculus, but they don't teach you how to do your taxes. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of things that we can talk about in terms of like privilege. Like I think one of the biggest privileges, one of the biggest privileges that I've seen for people who are born into wealth is their parents understand how to manage tax advantages. Mm-hmm. Not avoidance necessarily, but advantages.
0: The financial literacy.
2: Yeah, literacy. And that's what I'm getting at. Like when you think about money as a status symbol, like you're already kind of behind the ball because money is a system and it's a product and you you pay for it.
0: And you leverage it.
2: And you leverage it and you use it and you access it. Yeah. So that's all I'm getting at is like, I think that like, yeah, you know, there's definitely privilege. I think that um, there's definitely um, inherent bias. There's definitely explicit bias. Gotcha. Um, I think there's definitely, like, I mean, you know, there's definitely a greater sense of imposter syndrome Mm -hmm. when you walk into a room and nobody looks like you.
0: Mm -hmm. Most definitely.
2: A bigger challenge is this. You guys want to get, like, the wealthiest people in the world, what do we know about them? They're mostly engineers at this point. Elon Musk, engineer, Zuck, engineer. Bezos was a finance guy, but thinks like an engineer and like might be a little bit on the spectrum. You know? Gates, engineer. All white guys. Who are the wealthy black guys we know?
0: Um, Tyler Perry. Tyler Perry, Byron Allen. LeBron. A lot of them come from entertainment.
2: What do they all have in common? Entertainment. Right. Athletics. So, uh, yeah, no, entertainment. But, like, you you throw athletes in entertainment, but yeah. Okay. All, all, it's all athletics and entertainment. Right. So, why do you think the first thing I tried to do is music? Because mm. who did I have to look up to? It's like, who are my idols? Puffy. Jay. No, Puffy and Russell Simmons. Russell Simmons actually is, like, and that's not something that I can say now because homie has done some Sounds bad true. stuff, but... Russell Simmons, when I was in university, I was like, that guy has money. Mm -hmm. He's built, he built, uh, he, he built not only Def Jam, but Def Comedy Jam. They had their own movie lines. They had clothing lines. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, like, say we will about the person, you know, obviously, I think that a lot of stuff over the last... 30 years we've seen people get called on taking advantage of their privilege, Mm -hmm. which he did. But if you look at what we have to aspire to, that looks like us.
0: Mm -hmm.
2: I mean, maybe I was even saying Russell because he's light skinned, Mm -hmm. as opposed to looking at Jay and seeing Jay or looking at, or you know, looking at whoever, right? And he was behind the scenes. Russell didn't have to be cool, you know what I mean? Like, Russell Simmons was never like. Puff Daddy's cool. Like, you wanna to go to Puffy's party yeah. in Miami. Like, yeah. Puffy's like the man. Rock Nation brunch, everything. You know, yeah. like, Russ could identify who was gonna be that.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: So, there I, there I was, trying to throw parties, because that's what Russ did. He threw parties, and then he signed artists, and then he built yeah. an entertainment company. Mm-hmm. So I think, like, part of it is, like, we gotta, get, we gotta get more ideas into our heads around what success can look like. We also gotta get an understanding of when we are successful, Like, look, like I think there's small business, there's middle-sized business, and there's massive business. And I don't think all entrepreneurs want to build all of those things, Mm -hmm. and they all come with pros and cons.
0: Most definitely.
2: Like, do you want to have to make a decision to lay off twenty percent of your workforce, like your Shopify? Like, do you do you feel like you can do that, or do you want to build a business where you pay all your staff really well, and where all of them come to work enjoying themselves, and you do better than you would have if you got a job? Zappos. No, no, even Zappos. Zappos is a big business. I'm talking about like the you talk about something building like if you want to build a barbershop, right?
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Like if I wanted to open a barbershop, mm-hmm. if I wanted to open that business that I took pride in, build a local community around it. A you know, barbershop is a great example. Don't have to go build the app, man, but if you if you want to access venture capital, specifically app, you got to be trying to build. Yeah. You got to be building towards billions, mm-hmm. for sure. Um but there's a lot, there's, if you want to talk about how to get money, um, the best way is from customers. Of course. Um, sometimes it's selling something that you don't really have, mm-hmm. but you know you can accomplish.
0: Now, let's take a step back. Yeah. I want to focus on your business, Promise Supply. Sure. Um, how are you acquiring customers right now?
2: A little bit of secret sauce in terms of exactly what we're doing on digital. Um, there's a few things that i found that have really, really good unit economics online that don't require a lot of cash and we're like going hard on that. But I would say that our best customers touch online and in-store and our highest, like the the customers that spend the most money with us Mm. call us.
0: Call you? Yeah. Interesting.
2: So we, uh, we use open phone. What's that? Open Phone, Toronto-based startup, just raised $50 million bucks or something like that. Tech company. They basically made Twilio really easy for everybody. Twilio is like the API for phone numbers. But yeah, so we use, we use that. We let our customers text us, call us. We text them photos of what they're actually going to receive. Um, mm,
0: that's a big gem. Yeah, you know, so we... What's called? We, phone what? Uh, open Phone. Open, open phone. phone.
2: Open Phone's great. Shout so, out Open Phone.
0: So the customers will text you.
2: Yeah, customers like on our website. If you fill out the form and you put your number in, it starts a text message thread with us.
0: Mm, and then you can see it through like a web app type web of app. Web app, phone yeah.
2: app. Whole team has it on their phone. We got mm-hmm. two extra phones for the team. We acquire. We 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 focus. So like last year, we tried to acquire a lot of people. You know. How were you doing that? Um, Google Ads was probably our best from ROI. Mm-hmm. Facebook allowed us to reach and build the brand. We found products that other companies in our market weren't selling. We sell a commodity, right? So it's like selling tomatoes, right? So either you got to go find like an heirloom tomato that other people don't have. but like, like, you're like still
0: wine, it feels like. That's really
2: like selling tomatoes. Really? There's not, there's not really? there's not really a brand on it. A lot of it is being grown in Florida, shipped to Canada, Gosh, distributed yeah. through different people. Wow. The main points of differentiation are going to be customer experience mm-hmm. um, and strategy. Um, so we believe in two things. You mentioned Zappos. Zappos is our North Star for customer
1: service. So we do a lot of stuff people probably wouldn't do. And do you ship Canada-wide? No. Like, what's your delivery process like?
2: We fulfill locally in Toronto. We've managed to use, uh, so local delivery is sort of becoming like a new battleground. Mm-hmm. Um, DoorDash has a cool API. We haven't, we looked at that. We ended up going with a thing called Traxity, It's been pretty easy. They, they, we, we, we you know, put together a route. They pick up stuff, they deliver it. We charge a bit more for delivery than you would think about with e commerce, like it's 20 bucks flat rate.
0: How, how much is the average order for product? Pardon? How much is the average order for product?
2: AOV is around 100.
0: Oh, all right. So that's not as bad then. Well, it's more
2: than 20 bucks. Like a lot of, a lot of people are used to being online and getting free shipping. Mm. But um, I think when you compare us to some of our competitors, you'll realize that our plants are priced more reasonably, even though we charge more for shipping.
0: Have you tried Flashbox? What's Flashbox? Flashbox, is you know, we partnered with them before. Um, They do like $9 shipping all across GTA.
2: I think I looked at them. I can't remember. So the thing for us is it needs to go from customer directly to consumer, and it can't go to a warehouse in between. We're talking about, like, a five-foot tree. Mm -hmm. So, like, the service that we're using works well for us because we can put a five-foot tree in the front seat. Um, It's a bit more expensive. Mm -hmm. Um, It works right now. Emma, who's been probably the best thing to happen to the business over the past year in terms of her growth as an employee, likes it. And I'm just not going to change stuff unless she wants to change it. Because <laughs> like she, I I haven't looked at a delivery. I haven't looked at a delivery unless there's a problem. And I think the only I've only looked at one delivery in the last two months. Mm-hmm. And then we also do our own delivery. So we have a lot of uh, like we sell like you know we sell a 10 foot tall tree. We deliver that. We have our own Sprinter. Um, right. So we'll take stuff to people.
0: So you created your own logistics program.
2: Yeah, I mean we started off we started off doing all of our own delivery. We kind of outsourced it in a way. That didn't really work. Using something that allows us to bundle deliveries, not offering same day, but bundling deliveries and getting them out a little bit more frequently has helped get fresher product to people faster. We've made the decision not to ship plants because I just genuinely believe that if you really want a snake plant, there's one close to you and I don't need to send it to you in the mail.
0: That's what I was about to ask you. that. Like, Logistics of sending plants to people must be tough.
2: That's, like, like people who ship plants, there's businesses who do it. In the States, it's pretty, like, in the States, it's being done really well. Here, I would say that, you know, there's definitely companies doing it. They're probably doing well. I don't know. I have a hard time, like, think about somebody who buys plants. Do they care about the environment? Yeah. Right. So why do we charge 20 bucks for delivery? Well, because you could take transit or bike or come pick it up. Why do we deliver stuff well? Because if a bunch of people had to drive down to get it, that's going to burn a lot of CO2. So we figure if we can put together routes that go directly to the consumer and we can put multiple people on the same route, we're probably putting less CO2 into the atmosphere than having on everybody come down route. and
0: driving it down. So what? Is it like a, like a drop-off spot?
2: We, no, like, like we'll... Like if you think about... We have 10 people from across the GTA coming to pick up their plants to drive them home. Uh-huh. If we deliver those plants to them... Um, that route is more efficient and burns less CO2 than each individual driving in and back separately.
0: Ah, uh, gotcha. So it'll be like one major drop. Yeah.
2: So we so. do we do almost like, all of our big deliveries go out on Wednesday, Gosh. and then depending on the volume of orders, we might deliver small orders two to three times a week.
0: That's a big gem. A lot of people don't do that. You know, when mm. they they'll, they'll like pack it up and try to figure it out. Mm. So having like a drop days, is, is, I think. It's like... Yeah. So
2: everything big is always Wednesdays, mm. unless you're unless you're dealing with George, who's you know, responsible for people who want to get different kind of stuff, mm-hmm. he'll go deliver some of that stuff because it's just a good relationship.
0: So what's been some of the challenges of, like biggest challenges that you faced having a plant um,
2: business? Pl- a plant business, uh, it's, a, it's a different learning curve. You gotta learn how to keep your product alive.
1: Yeah. <laughs> so do you have like a greenhouse or something?
2: No, we, uh, we do everything in the shop. We uh we originally started off with buying grow lights off Amazon mm-hmm. to to kit out the whole shop. We, uh, we tried to open a second store in Yorkville, didn't work, lost some money, but through perseverance we were able to figure it out. Actually started consulting again.
1: Yeah. <laughs>
2: generating revenue from consulting mm-hmm. to offset the losses in the business at the time. So, so back to the kind of the how you keep the plants alive. So we ended up building, we ended up basically finding a supplier in China and starting ordering to order them directly. Mm-hmm. We brought in extras for consumers. Now we use them sort of to unlock sales where people may want to put a plant somewhere that they can't, so we can offer the light with it. Mm-hmm. We haven't really tried to turn it into its own product yet. Haven't. I don't think the market opportunity is the right size. Um, now I actually thought it was a huge opportunity. Now I don't think it's a huge opportunity. Mm-hmm. But you'll notice that, you know, if you've heard me. L- Something seems like an opportunity, I investigate, I found out it's not, I pull back, and I, I go back to the core of what's generating revenue. So in previous instances, if the core is consulting revenues, mm-hmm. right? Then that's the core of what's generating positive cash flow that I'm gonna consult. And then I get to work on my stuff half the time. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I think the the hardest thing about this business is learning how to keep your inventory alive. And that's also led to us thinking about the business differently. I think we do some stuff differently than some of our competitors, which is still secret sauce. Mm-hmm. I'm not trying to be coy, but there's stuff I just don't want to talk about because, like, where we're trying to go. Because you asked me early on, like, hey, you seem like you're really happy with this smaller thing. And it's like, the truth is, yeah, I'm really happy with the smaller thing. But I see a lot of opportunities for it to be a bigger thing. And I'm trying to get down the path of turning it into a bigger thing.
1: So can you talk about, like, revenue numbers since, like, starting it no. in
2: Revenue, not really.
0: How big is your team?
2: Got four employees, including myself, full time. One guy part time. One guy's gonna go get a sales job, but I'm really proud of him. He's gonna go try to make more money um, in sales and build more of a career. He, you know, and, I, and and again, I think I'm just like really happy because I genuinely told him to do that. I was like, "Look, man, you got a job here, but you have a lot of potential. I feel like." I can only, like I, feel, I'm, I'm, I think I'm a good person to work with. I, I think everybody who works with me would say the same thing. But um, I think he has the potential to make $203,000 a year as a salesperson. And he's not going to build the foundation towards that career if he wants it, working with me for the next year, and he's probably better off to get another job. So that's where he's off to. He's going to try to get another job. If he doesn't get this job that he's currently lined up for, I'm probably going to be posting on LinkedIn. Anybody looking for a really good salesperson pe- who can train them, Hit me up, Mm -hmm. I'll send you his resume. Mm -hmm. But, like, I think that's the thing, too. Like, you want, I think, you know, actually, Duncan, so lots of things have happened. One of the harder things was I had a business partner when we were really focused on trying to build, we we were actually trying to build WeWork for retail.
0: WeWork for retail?
2: Shared retail. So instead of spending, you know, if you work with direct to consumer companies or hustle over everything, wants to sell teas, you could, instead of spending 500 bucks a month on Facebook ads, you could spend 500 bucks a month on, retail space in the high foot traffic area. Mm. That was our original concept. Um, that's what Duncan joined me to help with and all this kind of stuff. Um, that was probably one of the harder things. He
1: didn't end up... Was, was, was that part of like volume retail that you launched?
2: Yeah. He did not He did not end up falling in love with plants the way that I did. Mm-hmm. And he got another opportunity to do something else. And we're still good. But that was hard. Mm. But like, dude, to to do this thing and think it's going to be easy there's a reason why it's hard to get money from people there's a reason why it's hard to get venture capital and i think when we talk about privilege the one thing we need to talk about is not whiteness it's attitude mm-hmm. and the the attitude that comes there's an attitude that comes with being white where like you've never faced discrimination nobody's ever told you you can't be what you want to be in a way society hasn't shown society shows you like a version of yourself that is doing well, when you go meet with these people, they look like you. They sound like you. They like skiing. I don't ski. I'd be a great salesperson in, in, in Canada. I just hate talking about hockey, hmm. mm-hmm. right? So that stuff matters. Gosh, yeah. Like if I can bro down, if I could bro down about the Leafs, I'd probably be doing better. Mm-hmm. So there's, there, are, there, are, there is privilege definitely in it and I think that part of that privilege is seeing people who look like yourself on the other side of the table and I do think that that needs to change and I do think that will change and I am absolutely an advocate for that. But yeah, I really just think like the reason why it is hard to get money to start a business is because if you're right, you'll find a way. If it's the right thing and you maintain, and this is why I keep talking about the
1: psychology stuff that Owen thinks is Maybe uh, no, honestly, less less interesting bro, than the hustle. Honestly, <laughs> out of like both of us, I can honestly say that I like the psychology stuff. I talk more about it. Yeah. You know, like Al is more the technical guy. Yeah. I'm more of like the spiritual, no, but, philosophical. But, 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 but
2: yeah, but I'm, I'm just saying like if it's, if it's too hard to be, if it's too hard to start your business, you probably don't want to start it because it's only going to be harder once you start it. Mm. starting it is the easiest part of running a business easiest part. so if it's hard it's hard yes i'm not saying it's easy and i'm not saying that you know if you're born into if you, if you have a parent who's an entrepreneur you're better off than if you don't you know i think that's actually like probably the greatest advantage if mm-hmm. entrepreneurship is the focus yeah dude i am disadvantaged <laughs> i'm i'm grossly disadvantaged i'm I'm the in, I'm the opposite of privilege if having a parent who's an entrepreneur. My family just has always wanted me to be a professional. Mm. West Indian families mm. are like that. David, I I want to ask you
1: something, bro. Yeah. Uh, were you trying to ask something about that or? No, I was going
0: to make a statement most most Caribbean families are like that. Or Pretty most you know, immigrant families are like that. Mm-hmm. You don't want to be a
1: pro- professional, exactly. it's safer, right? It's, it's, safer. Mean, it's like they, you can take care of them when you're like when they're old and everything. Exactly. Yeah, but you can't
2: but like you might not be able to cuz you might get fired. So I think that's the thing is like having if you have if you if you have family that that have run their own business and that know how to run yeah, their own business that's a huge advantage and mm-hmm. I think that like on average mm-hmm. there's a there's probably more older white people who own businesses mm-hmm. than not, and therefore that privilege of feeling like you can do it is passed down yep. and also like you know having the parent who has their own business who can walk you through how to have yours mm-hmm. um you know, but there's ethnic groups that I don't think would consider themselves white, like Jewish people. Mm-hmm. They don't consider themselves white necessarily, and they've definitely had challenges as a culture and a community. But they they understand the game,
1: mm-hmm.
2: and they can play it really well. And that's and that's I think where like you know what I keep getting at is like, look, if you want to blow up the system, that's one thing. But you got to understand this capital, mm-hmm. this debt, this equity, different types of it.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Why you want it, why you don't.
1: Mm-hmm. So yo, so um working towards wrapping up, bro. Like um one oh, last thing I want to ask you. Um you've been in a relationship for a long time. Yeah, like 5 years. 5 years. How do you manage being an entrepreneur and also like maintaining like a a solid relationship from what it looks like? It's like, hard. It's it's hard. Yeah. What are some things that have helped you like, you know, go through those ups and downs?
2: I think my girlfriend's grandfather is like the most interesting man in the world. And he, his health isn't so great right now. But when I first started dating her, and I can have good conversation with him and ask him questions. Um, Greek guy, immigrant, came with nothing. Um, has, built, has built something over his lifetime that any person should be proud of. I think that, that helps because she gets it a bit. She gets it, she's seen it, you know? Mm-hmm. She's seen what it can do. Mm-hmm. I also think the best thing about being in a partnership and and I think a relationship needs to be a partnership is that two people can be different people mm. in the way that they try to make money. Mm. And if you're thinking about relationships as a partnership and you're trying to build something together. And usually like my, my sister actually said the best thing to me ever is that you're building a culture.
1: Okay.
2: Like, you know, how they talk about culture in terms of like a company culture, mm-hmm. like you're building a culture. My sister said that to me. I'm like that's, I don't know why but like so you're building a culture you're building like you're building your little it's a, it's it's not a business but it's a company it's a company of people that you're going to keep for the rest of your life. And yeah, you like you know you're you're trying to integrate different people, different perspectives, mm-hmm. but you also get the biggest benefit. And the biggest benefit that I think of my relationship is her strengths. She has strengths that I don't have. She's good at stuff that I'm not good at. She thinks in ways that I don't think. Mm-hmm. She Will perform really well in jobs that I would perform really poorly in, and on the other end, you know, I can say I encourage her to try to to get to get into an industry that she might not have thought she, she was kind of like you know, her. Her she works for uh, a company that does M and A, she came from kind of consumer marketing, and she was recruited and was like, "Take the mini." This sounds like a good idea. She actually, it's funny. She actually tried to be like, "Hey, I think you should go talk to this recruiter. I think this would be like an interesting job for you." I was like no you should take this I feel like this would like I feel like you'd be really good at this and even if you're not like just be a different experience and she's been there for maybe three or four years now she loves it she's done really well people at the company think really highly of her yeah this is probably the most uncomfortable question out of them all but like it's hard to put that personal stuff out there I might need to to run some of that by her but you can probably take part of this I'm just kind of speaking openly like I would I like she cares more about what I say than I care so I like we need to talk about that afterwards mm-hmm. but I do think that like the biggest thing that I've learned being in a relationship for the past 5 years with somebody who is super intelligent, super thoughtful um yeah, like she just treats she treats people really well. She always remembers to call people. Mm-hmm. She treats her friends really well. She treats her family really well. Mm-hmm. Like she reminds me to con. To- she reminds me to wish my friends happy birthday, dude. You know what I mean? Like she's she she's reminds me to say thank you. She, yeah. You know, like you need people that are gonna make you better, and I think she makes me better. And like that's all it comes down to, right? Like if you're gonna be in a relationship, like don't be in a relationship because of reasons that fade. Mm-hmm. Because like the relationship will not always be solid like everything. no it'll be it, a relationship will be solid but the relationship won't always be exciting we, we like mean, like long term relationships like you think about like imagine having kids with some like we're young still like none of us have kids like basketball practices and all this kind of stuff you gotta take your kids to practice caravan, you, gotta, yeah, you gotta you gotta you gotta caravan, caravan whatever like, I, I just think that like at the end of the day you gotta be with somebody that you feel like you make each other better you feel like you you feel like they make up for where for areas where you would fall short. Mm-hmm. You feel like they push you to be better and they kind of give you the ability to be better. Mm-hmm.
1: Is she a Raptors fan? Like you?
2: Yeah, she's a big Raptors fan. Um she's also Greek, so she loves Giannis and Her whole family is obsessed. Um but yeah, like she uh she's a huge Raptors fan. She used to go to games with her dad and scream her head off. Um I mean the, is she like a Raptors fan like me I I probably think I know more than I know is the way that the type of Raptors fan that there's, I am is
1: like, you got to mold your girl to love the team you support you know what I'm saying I
2: be I I actually I actually think that I think it I think it's
1: very hard to mold people both ways You can mold children like if if I if if you have a kid you can influence your kids Yeah, yeah. you you're like yo in this household you're supporting the raps like <laughs> until maybe they, they're 18 or, like, in their high school. Like, I, don't, no, know, I no, don't know, man. I don't like, I like know, man. You, know you know what,
2: man? I, I live in a weird generational gap. Mm-hmm. My dad's old. I'm from a second marriage. My sister's older. I have a niece who's going to university now. Jeez. Can't mold shit. <laughs> you have no control. All you can do is influence and, you know influence, influence, influence. Mm-hmm. Try to be a good example. If you can't be the best example, try to show them the best example. Yep. If they, if, you know, if some, if, look, if, if I have a kid, I always joke, right? Like you always think about like, oh man, that kid's dad built an amazing business and now he gets to go take it over. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What if his dream was to be a doctor or a lawyer, but he didn't have West Indian parents <laughs> try to pressure him into it. And he was pressured into taking over the family business, you know? You've seen Succession? Yeah, but, like, they, they want the business, though. Yeah, that's true. They're yeah. greedy. A man Succession like Kendall, bro. You've seen Succession, right?
0: Well, I, I saw, I got the premise of it. And I'm like, oh, this is just another Hamlet. Another, like... <laughs> Hamlet? You know, wow, you're Hamlet.
2: educated, huh? hmm You got education. I, I wouldn't have even known that. It's like Hamlet. I don't know anything about Hamlet. So. No,
0: not Hamlet, but um, it's, like, it's, a, it's the same theme that happens in, yeah. like, Empire... Yeah. you know what I'm saying It's the same thing where the father wants to give down So the re-
2: so the reason the reason I actually like that show is because of all of the conflict around the board of directors specifically Got you So there's like there's certain shows like that and like billions mm. Yeah where like exactly. there's the drama there's the noise there's the There's the coke-ed son of the rich dad who can't figure it out, who always feels inferior. There's all all the tropes of television. All the storylines, yeah, yeah, yeah. But there's some really interesting stuff, like the board meeting that Kendall has to be at, where he needs to get a certain number of board votes to get his dad gone. And in that that meeting, he's not actually able to get back to the meeting on time because he was trying to get another vote. And because he wasn't there, a lot of people who are with him started squirming. And you could see how at the highest level. So when you have a big business, you have a board of directors, you have 20 different people that all theoretically can fire the CEO. You start to see the weight that a CEO can have, the weight that somebody who is determined can have, whether good or bad or right Mm -hmm. or wrong. But you can start to see how these things actually end up playing out at Mm -hmm. scales that, you know, you know, if I'm lucky, maybe one day I'll get to have to deal with a board of directors trying to get rid of me as CEO. That's pretty bomb. If I'm (laughs) lucky. That's the thing, dude. Like I was talking about other I was talking to people like I think if you're lucky, you have to solve really hard problems. Mm -hmm. If you're lucky, you have to deal with really difficult situations as an entrepreneur. That's all like just if you're lucky you get to, if you're lucky you, you get you have the and I think coming back to you, you have the privilege of solving hard problems if you build a really big business mm-hmm. or if you build a really good business or if you build a business period you 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 are you're fortunate to get to figure out that problem because other people don't get to figure out that problem. most people never learn how to figure it out
0: mm-hmm. yeah if you could keep it under a minute <laughs> what is partnership look like to you in the relationship what wait. wait. No, which relationship, romantic or otherwise? Yeah, you know, romantic, What is partnership? 'Cause partnership. Because a lot of people say that yeah, relationship is a partnership, but break I, that I down. I disagree real quick. with that,
1: man. But let you take. You disagree
2: with a relationship being a partnership? Yes. And what is it?
1: If I'm, if I, if I'm married, like you're my wife. You guys listen to Andrew Tate too much, Bro, Before even Andrew Tate, I always had this. I'm a very traditional guy, bro. Sure, you know what I'm saying. So, like when and I, you'll
2: meet a very traditional girl. Exactly, and you'll have a
1: very traditional relationship. Hundred percent. That's that's. I know that. So I- let me, let's
2: okay. So, so so let me tell you why it's a partnership, and let me tell you about my family. My grandmother had a job. My grandmother was was a very bright woman who was an accountant, who invested in real estate, who built stuff. My mother ran her own business, and my mother was a chemistry, uh, masters had a chemistry master's degree, and she had occupational, um. Was it occupational therapy? Anyway, my mother used to basically do air quality testing at plants, ran her own business, had her own book of business, was on some board for, like, the Occupational Hygienist Association. My sister's the deputy CTO of Toronto, which means she manages half of the staff of the city of Toronto's um, engineering workforce. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Don't tell me about any woman ever belonging to me, dog. Don't tell me about... It not being a partnership because the only thing that you're going to stifle is what you could build together because of what they can do. That's all it is. Sorry, I went on a bit of a rant because I have a very strong opinion on this. Like, uh, And I I can give you a – we can do that again in a way that's a little bit less like – I like that. But, dude, like you want to talk about like who I'm looking for? I'm not looking for a girl who wants to be a housewife. If I'm scanning the room and I'm looking around, am I looking for the girl who wants to just be a mom? Sure, like, you know, like, look, my best friend's mom, super mom, homemaker. But you know what? She's also on the board of directors of her husband's company, and she contributes ideas. She's an intelligent businesswoman. She runs the household to the point of running a lot of the financial
1: components, including some of the investments. That's what I'm talking about, right? But like, whenever I feel that's a partnership, but it's just your business partner. It's no, we're not partners. Like, we're married. Like, you're my wife. I'm your husband. Like, this whole westernized idea of like partnership in in like a, I just I'm like, man, where did this whole thing come? Like, why we, like, okay, so
2: you you say marriage, I say partnership. Let's let's. So does your wife work?
1: In my in my future relationship yeah. she can decide to work but you don't want her to have to i will not force her to work but i'm like saying babe like i'll take care of it but if you want to go work go do it but i got us yeah in our in in african culture yeah that's how we run things for sure like your wife is there you can have a maid right you can like, yeah. like your your wife is a homemaker she can d- you don't want your wife doing like a lot of like heavy lifting or she needs to work you want to empower your missus you to be to like, work is different. You want to empower her to be like you know, listen, baby. You know what? I don't want you to work. I I'll take care of everything. But you know what? If you want to pursue this passion, want to start this business, go ahead, right? But this should never be like this blurred line of like we are partners because I'm like, man, my partners are Alex, right? But it's a different type of partnership. That's you know, but like why why do we have to like use this terminology in a marriage? you know what i'm saying so like, look
2: all right fine your wife but your wife is a person who ends up helping you build the culture in your home who helps you figure out who supports you in like look at uh, bezos's wife she worked at the company when it first got started she's a very smart woman
1: you know you know my thing is bro it's more of like the idea of stripping what makes a woman like a woman and like her feminine self and making Work her feel like do that. it doesn't do but like just the nature of like okay this whole you know the feminist movement that started coming through it's like now saying like oh like you're, women you're, have to do like everything that a guy does or whatever but like you know, in actuality like you're trying to get
2: some virality on this podcast aren't you i'm not
1: it, i usually do but honestly bro i i i, I just say it how look, i see it right look you know what think, i'm saying bro like it's just like i want her to remain her feminine self but for, still but, doing her own thing sure
2: but like that's my point is
1: like I just
2: don't understand why the word – like, the word partner doesn't necessarily mean, like, we're, we have to equally contribute financially to the future of the group. Mm-hmm. But it does mean that, like, we have a plan together. Mm-hmm. She has input on that plan. Of I have course. input on that plan. We have mutual goals, mutual respect. It's a partnership. Like, I don't know how else to say it. Like, yeah, sure, like, is it a Westernized idea to call it a partnership? Or do you just call it a marriage? Do you just call it a wife? Do you call it whatever? I don't know. I just think that there are – I
1: disagree. How, That's kumbaya why? about a partnership. That's just harder, man. But, bro, you know what? Coming, like, I get that, right? But how I grew up, sure, a lot of women, they did not give their opinion, and they were like, it's not like they they were not asked. They'll, they'll give their opinion, but it's not like, hey, you do what you got to do. You make the best decision for the family. Everybody was eating. Everyone was happy. The, the, the wife didn't complain, but they did not see it as a way like, oh, yeah, you're oppressing me by shutting me up. It's just like, the way I'm not Africans talking. See look,
2: it. I'm not talking about oppression or you know that, but, you're, but bro, that you want to shut people that, up or that I want to get people to speak up. But that's what you're I'm, saying, saying, bro. No, that's I'm no, just saying. I'm saying that he was oppressing. Huh?
0: No, you wasn't he, saying that he was. I'm not saying, saying anybody is
2: oppressed. Because, I'm saying if you want to have a like, there are like, like look, that's a common thing in a lot of cultures, and like you know, the husband working, the wife staying at home, minding the home. The husband goes to work. They accept that, but that's a partnership if they both agree to it.
1: Okay, 100%, Then yeah, fine.
2: But, yeah, like, I don't necessarily think that it needs to be one way or the other, but it's still a partnership. You both agree to it.
1: Okay, so you don't have a problem if, like, a relationship governs like that. Because the mm-hmm. sense I'm getting is, like, you want it to be, like, 50-50, like, partnership or whatever, and if it's the other way around, it seems like it's rubbing you the what, wrong what way. What do you define as a partnership? No, but, hang on, what, what are you thinking about? What What is 50-50? I'm trying to understand what you're saying. Bob. Yeah, yeah. What do you define as a partnership? The thing about
2: me, like, like it's like she had, like like I have to bring a dollar and she has to bring a dollar. That's not the way it works.
1: I also gotta present my opinions and the way I feel about things from just the way I saw my parents growing up. For sure, right? So like when I speak, I'm referencing from like a culture that has successfully built marriages like this, where that we don't have to have our wives be working we don't have to have them be like oh you're on the board or whatever and we don't care if they are but you didn't have to have they
2: didn't have to be on that either but that's who they were what do you mean that's who they were like there's no difference between a man and a woman in terms of the things that they could potentially want to do in the world
1: Mm -hmm. that make sense yeah
2: so if that is equal i think we can agree on that there are women who will want to become homemakers. In theory, they, there can also be men who may want to become homemakers. Now, I, I know that you don't like that.
1: Men being homemakers? I know
2: you don't like that, but that's okay.
1: We, yeah. can, we, can, we, can, we, can, we can
2: slide that. that, 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 that we, don't need, we don't need to focus on that one. But I'm just saying there are women who may want to become homemakers. Okay. And there are women who may want to become high-paid executives. Mm-hmm. And there's women who may be want to become startup founders. And there's women who may want to own their own small business. Mm-hmm. There's women who want to do everything. Yeah. Whatever woman you choose, she's going to do what she wants to do. You're going to do what you want to do. But for you to do it together for 40 years, probably got to be a little bit on the same page. And she's got to have some input into like, yeah, babe, I'm I'm cool with, with being quiet and, you know, minding the kids and minding minding the business of the home and... You know, I really enjoy that. I, I I really just want to put all of my energy into my kids. And that's the most important thing to me as a mother is to like spend time with my kids and make sure that I give them 100% of a mother's love and attention. And I really need you to go make sure that there's enough money for me to do that. And we get on the same page about that and we grow. 100%. That's still a partnership.
1: Okay. I, I just think perhaps for me, I just don't like partnership because the word partnership I hate that word partnership in a relationship and just like Yeah
0: maybe maybe it's It's, it's partnership is just a form of understanding literally a marriage
2: is a is a literal partnership. It's a it's a contract that you sign. (laughs) You know it's a contract that you sign to say that like we are we are working together on this life thing that and and through sickness and in health and all of these other things. So you wanna talk about partnership agreements? Like I think a lot of people I think a lot of people get married. And they don't think about it like they're signing over. Like, if you're about to start a business with somebody. It's a marriage. But if you're about to start a business with somebody, you should take just as much thought when you're starting that marriage as if you were starting that business with somebody. Because what you're ultimately doing is you're tying yourselves together for the next forty years.
1: Yeah, I, I get, I get that. I get the partnership. It's a partnership. Romantically, I just don't like associating that word with a romantic relationship. That's it but we can choose how we want to govern our
2: relationship. But religion. we're not talking but we we but we also but we're, we're also not saying anything differently. You got to make decisions together about what you want your future to be all together. Right. You got to decide on how you want to build the culture of your family. You got to figure out how there how is there going to be enough money on the table whether that's you're not working and I'm working cuz we both agree to that, we're both working cuz we want more, or you really you really want to work and I really don't, so we're going to figure that out too. I've seen all of the above um and I think the only thing that I strongly believe is that like it is very hard to have a relationship of equals. I think it's very hard to have a relationship of equals. And I think all I'm saying is like, you want to have a relationship where both people are on the same page and working towards the same goals, whatever they are.
0: Got you, because in a non-partnership, basically like you come home be like, all right, move to Chicago. That's a non-partnership. Because yeah. then the person doesn't have any say of what's going on. But in a partnership, yeah. Yeah, in a partnership, you'd be like, "Hey, I know you're working at home for now as I make the money. There's an opportunity on the table for me to move to Chicago yeah. for a pay increase. Let's talk about that. Is this the right move for the kids? And, the, and they both have that discussion.
1: Yeah. And 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 I'm saying I'll never not do that. I'll never yeah. Like, so that's a, you're
2: gonna be a partnership. Yeah, because they're they're they have equal like whether you call it a partnership or you call it a romantic relationship. Yeah. All I am saying is that like. The thing that is hard about all relationships, I'm sure you guys have this as business partners. You know, one of you wants to do X, one of the other wants to do Y, and you gotta kinda like figure out what the right part of it is, and you gotta Mm -hmm. go back and forth, and it's easy to call it a partner with with that, but like, you know, there's other things too, like think about it, like, you know, all right, we wanna have kids. Well, one of the things that I said when you're building a business is you're building equity. You might not necessarily, and look, I'll be candid, like I'm not making as much money as I've made in the past on my personal pocketbook compared to when I was charging hourly for consulting. But our top line revenue is probably five times higher than I've ever had it when I was charging for consulting revenue. Mm -hmm. But my costs are higher. My opportunity is also larger. It's also far more scalable. I've already proven that we can employ people. I've already proven that we can grow people. I've already proven that we can grow year over year while reducing our costs from our first year. So I think I'm building a business. I've, I've, I've raised a very small check from somebody. That if you were to call that the valuation, great. On paper, I'm looking great. But like the reality is, I still got to do work. Um, so I think it's like, yeah, like you guys are right. Like, yeah. So like maybe that partnership is like one of the challenges. Is like, well, you could go. Like, why aren't you just making 120k a year? Because you could. I've done it multiple times over on that run rate in terms of consulting and other things. So I don't know. Like, look, at the end of the day, it's like whoever you're going to live with for the rest of your life is going to have say on what you do. And if they don't have say on what you do, you're probably in a toxic relationship.
1: 100%.
2: And if you can't listen to them and they can't listen to you, maybe you make it and you're both angry, bitter humans by the time you get to your deathbed, but you probably don't make it and you probably cause a lot of other psychic damage to those around you. Yeah. So you just got to be able to get somewhere with someone.
1: 100%.
2: You got to run all of this relationship shit by me because I got to run it by her. (laughs) Like, seriously,
0: for real. Same. Huh? I said same. You got a girl? Yes, I do. That being said, ladies and gentlemen, that wraps up the podcast. The house is what you can't control. So control your grind. and control your life. Thanks, Alex.
1: I'm Owen Osinde.
2: I'm David. I probably went on many tangents. Appreciate you for listening. plant poppy,
1: bruv. My guy. That's the show, y'all. Take care. Peace. Peace. Uh, Have a great week, everyone.